This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey everybody, great to have you with us and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. Got a busy show coming up for you over the course of the next couple hours. Great to have uh, all of you with us, whether you're with us live on YouTube or listening on the podcast. Uh, We're going to be talking lots of Jets today. 0-1 after a disappointing season opening loss last night in Anaheim to the Ducks. Murata Tesh will join us from the Athletic on the road in California. Jets have an off day today, traveling to San Jose. He'll be back on the practice rink tomorrow and then dropping the puck on game two of 82 Saturday night in the Shark Tank, looking to get to 500. Of course, the Moose are also starting this weekend, and we've spent a lot of time talking about some players that will be on the Moose, certainly Vili Hainala, one of them. The play-by-play voice of the Moose, Dan Fink's going to join us in a few minutes to tee up Moose season and let us know what's going on on the watch of new head coach Mark Morrison. As always, we're brought to you by our great family of sponsors. It doesn't happen without them, including our newest sponsor, our friends at Culligan Water, Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Not Auto Corp, and Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. We will hit the lines. We've got a Thursday nighter tonight in the National Football League. A huge game five between the Giants and Dodgers, the rubber match of the two best teams in baseball this year, which will be must-see television. And we definitely have to talk about the highlight of last night's sporting calendar, and that was Canada's big win over Panama, 4-1 in that World Cup qualifier with one of the most scintillating goals in Canadian history, if not the greatest, by the phenom himself, Alfonso Davies. Uh, but of course, we will start off on the local scene with the Jets. We'll also get onto the Bombers preparations for tomorrow's game in Edmonton. But let's get in Michael Remus to uh, begin two hours of incredible overreactions to game one of an 82-game season. What's going on, dude? How are you? Yeah, I'm just compiling my list of uh, what I witnessed uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm ready for the overreactions. I'm seeing all the takes in chat. Thank you all for coming. It was uh, almost a record day for us yesterday. A lot of people downing the podcast, coming into the YouTube, and we're here. The season is here. I guess it didn't just it didn't get off to the start that we wanted, but it did have a nice um, story with Cole Perfetti um, getting the what the the lap. What do they call it? The solo lap before the yep. game. His parents. What a great story. His parents getting on a flight. Uh, well, like, or getting leaving for the airport at like 4 a.m. and Jamie Drysdale's dad holds up the plane for them. Yeah, uh, pretty, I saw that. Uh, pretty incredible story there. So, uh, everyone's talking about Perfetti. I mean, if you want to overreact, that guy this is my overreaction on Perfetti. I mean, he's got a stick for full 82, right? Yeah, he's clearly an NHL minutes, player. PP one needs um, at least all... PP one, <laughs> PP zero if you can get him on there. Well, you know what? Last one left in here. What about everyone in chat, by the way? He had one of your top overreactions, Remus, from our uh, pre-show meeting. How about the USA number one goaltender, John Gibson? Hey, I guess we don't have to worry about Hellebuck being overworked and playing the Olympics now. I mean, that's you want to talk about an overreaction. There's one. That's not an an overreaction. That's great news for Jets fans. We should be rejoicing. (laughs) Hellebuck's going to be fresh for the playoffs (laughs) because after last night, He's not getting a sniff of that net for Team USA in the Olympics. I mean, don't even send him. Gibson's a goalie. Hellbuck can rest up. 
You know, remember when Patrick Waugh didn't go in 2002 because he wanted to get win the Stanley Cup with Colorado and they gave it to Brodeur, or sorry, Joseph and Brodeur? It's like this, Hellbuck, rest up for the playoffs. Uh, he needs to be strong for uh, for the Jets. Who cares about Gibson can take the net for USA. We're fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling Hellebuck's going to have something to say about that. Although, um, you know, let's be real here. Wasn't a great game for um, the Jets MVP. He, uh, I mean, the first goal, the first period, I mean, so much of this game boils down to the first period. I mean, if you look at the way the Jets played, uh, you know, controlled the puck on the power play, relentlessly shooting the puck at John Gibson. I mean, Gibson was awesome. He made a ton of great saves, um, you know, in a different game. Maybe you get one of those go in, you get a lead, and maybe things are different. Um, but you know, Reem, I mean, every time, and I mean, to the Jets' credit, I mean, they earned those penalties. Um, you know, I think that they were, you know, it wasn't like the refs were looking for things to call against the Ducks. I thought the Jets were skating well and, you know, created those opportunities. Um, and man, on the power play, especially with that PP1 unit for the endless power play, I think they were on the ice for about a minute 50 without the puck coming out of the zone. Um, they moved the puck well. They had a number of, you know, great spots. The thing about it was, um, you know, Wheeler in that one-time spot is not ideal. Um, Mark Scheifele wasn't able to play last night. We know why that case was. And I and yes, I got the text from friends. Uh, can you imagine if we still had Line A in that position? Listen, there's only one Patrick Line A shooting from that spot. And for sure, the power play is affected. But it's far more affected when Scheifele's not there. All that being said, I mean, with the exception of the puck not going in the net, I mean, I thought they generated a lot and it actually looked quite good. But anytime you're unable to capitalize on that much possession, that many opportunities on the power play, you know it can come back the other way. And Remo, I, we've often joked about how the Jets seem to be the team that all the milestones happen against or slumps are broken. Oh, no. Um, I mean, of course, Mason McTavish, who's uh. playing in his first NHL game, didn't even know that he was playing until 4 o'clock. I mean, we should have looked at a prop as to whether this guy would score in his first ever NHL game, because in retrospect, we missed out big time. It almost seems like it was a a foregone conclusion that that could happen, just with the way we have joked about some of those things. But I'll tell you what, when the Ducks finally got on the power play after the Jets had had all those opportunities, and Rick Ball and Kelly Rudy were reading down the Ducks' power play success from last year, which was the worst in NHL history since stats were beginning to be recorded from 77 to 78. I texted a friend. I'm like, 100% chance the Ducks score on this power play. And it took them, I think, a minute 54, uh, most of the power play to get it in. But sure enough, there it was. And hey, they had a great, a couple of great sticks, some fortunate deflections that went in on Connor Hellebach. The first goal by Shattenkirk was from a strange angle, a little bit of a screen. But, you know, it's one that you've got to have. Uh, and, you know, I think Hellebuck himself probably would like to have had that rebound that turned into McTavish's first NHL goal. Um, but it is game number one of 82. Lots of work to be done for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think, you know, some things that, you know, Jet fans can be optimistic about. But again, this is a results-based business. And you didn't want to start off against a team that is rebuilding with a ton of young players in the lineup to end up on the wrong side of a 4-1 score. It's pretty clear, Huss, that the Jets can't win without Mark Shafley in the lineup. You know, you get suspended for four games and the Jets go 0-4. So, uh, you know, once he gets back, I'm assuming their fortunes are going to turn. In all seriousness, you know, I was, we talked about the Jets. I thought, you know, for the first period, they played fine. And um, 
you know, got a couple unfortunate bounces. I mean, they had shot after shot on John Gibson, and he was incredible. I think Josh Morrissey probably had nightmares about some of those saves Whew. that he made. And I thought Morrissey looked really good, um, on, especially on the power play. And I saw this in preseason. I think he's, he's really improved that one time where you saw him and Nate Schmidt, uh, again, working at it in the preseason and again last night. Uh, one thing that I, you know, we talked about how the Pacific Division is terrible and all these teams stink. I mean, I was, I'm looking forward to seeing Anaheim and the home opener here because you mentioned Mason McTavish, uh, Trevor Zegris, Jamie Drysdale also scored. Um, you know, they have, you know, some veteran guys, Silverberg and Ricard Raquel. Maybe this team isn't going to be as poor as I thought because some of those young guys, especially uh, McTavish, was totally noticeable. They're drawing a penalty as well, scoring uh, that goal. I mean, I thought they looked good. They looked quick. And, you know, the Jets, they had chance after chance. And a friend said to me, hey, you know, they're down 2 nothing. He's like, I'm live betting the Jets. This is good, Val. They're, they're all playing. They should win. And I was like, you know what? I still think that was a good bet in retrospect. But John Gibson, man, he's he was a better of the, of the attendees last night. And, you know, maybe if the Jets, if Josh Morrissey puts that in uh, on the power play, maybe we have a different game. Um, you know, shout out, we didn't talk about this. We can do the draw at the end of the show, us, but shout out to everyone who picked Kyle Connor as first goal scorer because yep. that was a one-timer. Um, you know, talk about we don't have Patrick Line. I mean, that was the lefty Patrick Line because Wheeler put the, you know, we t- I see a lot of comments on Wheeler in the chat here, but he put <laughs> that thing on a tee. Somehow Kyle, there's no one near Kyle Connor and he had so much time to pick his spot. That was a beautiful goal. And I was like, just do that every time. Come on. what? How, how hard is it to just get open and score on a one-timer. They made it look so easy on that one. That was, yeah. that, I mean, that was an amazing play by that line. I mean, the breakout, the drop pass. And it's funny you mentioned Morrissey because Morrissey was a really key part in that uh, in that goal, despite not touching the puck. Um, you know, when the Jets were able to get the zone and drop it back to Wheeler, Kyle Connor moves over onto the right side, but Josh Morrissey goes to the net and essentially takes the attention of one of those defensemen, um, you know, as he was there first, which gave Wheeler the chance to fake the shot, you know, pass it over to Kyle Connor for the wide open net. And he, uh, he made no mistake on that one. Um, So, you know, it was a nice finish and it was a great play by Blake. I will say this though. I kind of get why a lot of people, I mean, there are some lightning rods, and for whatever reason, we've been talking about Andrew Kopp as of late, who suddenly has emerged as one. Um, he was so-so last night. I mean, I think he was. Uh, I would have liked to have been in a better position on the second goal that McTavish brought, uh, brought in. He was on the wrong side of Dylan and the other player. Um, but overall, Wheeler, uh, you know, did have a rough night. I mean, it was a little. It was a terrible way to start. I don't know if you saw the first shift of the game room, but it goes back in. Wheeler has the puck and does a blind drop pass right in front of the net to, I believe it was Troy Terry, who ripped it on Connor Hellebuck, who had to make a point-blank save right off the bat. And, you know, maybe some of those things are game number one of the season, not having Shifley there, whatever. Um, Took a couple penalties in the game. But, again, you want to talk about overreactions, all the people that are ready to uh, move on from Blake Wheeler. I think um, cool your jets a little bit. You know, he did make a real strong offensive play, uh, but needs to be better, and I'm sure he'd be the first one to, one to tell you that. Um, overall, I thought that the Jets at times, you know, certainly carried the play. They dominated shots. They did a lot of the things that you like to see. 
Um, but goaltending was a big difference. And to me, it really came down to special teams. We talked about the power play right off the bat. I mean, when you go 0 for 5 and you generate that much possession, that many opportunities, you got to make them count. And if you don't, as I said earlier, you know the chances will be coming back on the other side and you better be able to kill the penalties. And listening to Paul Maurice after the game, um, you know, Maurice said we probably got what we deserved when it came to the power play. He said, I believe they lost five straight face-offs, and that is a very important part of, you know, chipping away right off the bat at a power play. They weren't able to do that. Um, and, I mean, the goals that were scored weren't incredible scoring chances, but you put pucks on net, you get the ability to get in front of a goaltender like Hellebuck and get sticks on it, and sometimes they'll go in. Um, and it doesn't matter who you're playing, what the circumstances are. If you go 0 for 5 on the power play and you give up two power play goals, you're going to probably have a pretty tough time to uh, to win the game. So to me, special teams in some ways sunk the Jets, and it wasn't like the, the power plays themselves weren't effective, um, but they didn't light the lamp. And, you know, on the other side of things, the Ducks made the most of those opportunities uh, and were opportunistic. And uh, that's how you end up at 0-1 on the season after game number one. Yeah, I agree with you. And I see some people here, look, I don't think you can really judge what we've seen here until like eight, 10 games, but it is game one. We were all fired up. I think we can sit here and get mad and overreact for fun, but I agree. I think the Jets have played, especially on the power play, but John Gibson shut the door and, you know, they got a couple bounces early, got behind. You know, maybe later you'd like to see a bit more of a of a push. Um, and I, I agree with what you're saying about Wheeler. I think maybe he needs a game or two to get, get back, and we'll see. I, you know, I, I agree he was hurt last year, but let's see what he can bring this year. I saw Brandon Ruicki tweeting out his pros and cons. He said Nikolai Ehlers, um, was he fifth? and forwards on time on ice. And, you know, maybe I would hope that that increases um, as the game goes on because he was dangerous every time he gets the puck. Watching him circle around the offensive zone, looking <laughs> for guys to pass to or going to the net and shooting. I'm, we're kind of used to what he's doing now. I mean, he likes to shoot, uh, what, far top corner on the left point, uh, drives to the net. He's had, had a couple of great chances. And, I mean, Gibson shut the door, but they had a three-on-one with uh, Cop, Lowry, was Lowry, and I forget who was it, Ehlers? I forget, I forget what it was at the end of the game, but, I mean, chance after chance. Should have had more than a goal. It was definitely disappointing, but, I mean, let's let's move on, and hopefully uh, they can, you know, they can put this behind and go up against the Sharks on Saturday. Yeah, well, I can tell you 55 will be ready to go. I'm sure that just burned him to be in the press box last night watching what was happening on the ice knowing how important and how much he could have helped the team being out there um, let's hope that's the only time he misses a time this season Ehlers for his part as you mentioned 18-20 on ice uh, ended up as a minus one had eight shots on goal Remus and I, I checked the DraftKings contest like you know after mm. the first period and Ehlers was already at like 11.5 he already had five shots in the first period um, and was putting a lot of pucks on net. And, you know, I, listen, John Gibson was awesome last night. He made some big, big saves. More often than not, maybe a couple of those will go in. You'll have a different uh, a different result. But that wasn't the case. It's a long season. I don't think you can get too upset about one game. But as we heard from Coach Paul Maurice afterwards, I mean, there are some things that I think they liked, but there are also some things that need to get better. Penalty kill right off the bat is one of those and the other thing uh, I think is the ability to 
allow Connor Hellebuck to see the puck. I thought the Ducks did a good job of getting in front of Connor Hellebuck. I mean, certainly the Shattenkirk goal goes in one of a hundred times, um, you know, just basically from positioning and where he was shooting. Um, but there was Mason McTavish going through the net, you know, occupying a jet defender just for the amount of time that it took to get the shot off before Hellebuck could get a read on it. Um, and it was perfectly placed. Very difficult to duplicate that. But, you know, they got in. Uh, but the other side was, you know, a couple of those deflections. You do want to make it a little bit more less hospitable for players to be in those zones. And I realize, you know, power play, it's a lot more difficult to occupy men and move them out and make room. Uh, but I think those are some of the things that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be working on probably in practice tomorrow before they get to take on the Sharks. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get feedback and we'll talk to Marat uh, about it, but would love to get your thoughts on Cole Perfetti's debut. Um, he, he certainly wasn't the best rookie on the ice last night. I mean, I think that goes without saying that Mason McTavish was an impact player in his NHL debut last night, still just 18 years old, scored a goal, made some big plays um, last night. Um, but I'll say this about Perfetti. He didn't look out of place at all from my, uh, from my perspective. I mean, they didn't really generate a ton um, and you know, maybe this is maybe the connection with Adam Lowry and Jansen Harkins wasn't perfect for him. Um, and I do see some people saying, you know, get him up there, play him in the top six. Um, ah, you know what? I, I wouldn't be opposed to that, to seeing what it looked like. Um, but I do think that, you know, based on what we saw last night, there probably is a little bit more time for Perfetti playing in the American hockey league before he becomes an NHL regular. Um, but as I said, early on, uh, you can tell the thing that really stood out to me with Perfetti is, and again, this is hard to describe, but his hockey sense, he seemed to be making the right reads. He seemed to be in the right spot. He seemed to have a pretty good knowledge of where he needed to be defensively to carry his weight. So for an NHL debut, uh, I think it was a positive day for Cole Perfetti, but it did sort of get outshone by a couple rookies on the other side of the uh, of the ice, including Mason McTavish, who was a was a real impact player for the Ducks, despite not even knowing he was going to be playing until about three hours before the game. Yeah, and you talk about the Ducks. I was watching the game. I was like, "What's up, these guys' asses tonight?" Um, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois. Oh. Dubois uh, sorry, the puck goes in the behind the net. Gibson goes to play it. I mean, fine, that's his right. You can go play it. But Dubois still gets to go behind the net to try to get it. Clearly goes out of the way. Uh, Gibson loses his, totally loses his mind, puts Dubois in a headlock. I don't really know why Dubois, um, I was happy the Jets got the man advantage there, but I don't know why Dubois got a penalty when he clearly didn't do anything. That was, that was just a strange sequence. I know, I think they were saying that they liked that from Gibson, but I mean... I don't know. I always got got wrong when I played hockey. Be like, oh, get off my goalie! Don't touch my goalie. Well, he didn't touch the goalie. Gibson <laughs> just like lost it. And then what? Um, I think it was Demello tripped Mason McTavish. I know it's his first game. What you can't get tripped in your first game. And then Kevin Shattenkirk goes to put the bear hug on Demello, and Demello just gave him a judo throw down to the ice. <laughs> that was a judo throw. A perfect ended, reversal. Demello ended up on top of Shattenkirk. Like you can't you can't trip a guy in the NHL without having to like. Get in a fight, you can't trip a rookie ever. So I th- maybe that, that was why the Ducks won because they clearly had something, you know, something going on. They were pissed off. I just thought those were odd, odd plays. But hey, they won. They won the game. Well, the Gibson thing was a bit bizarre. I yeah. mean, there was a couple of instances. Now, the cop, cop did yeah. steamroll him later cop on, did. and I, yeah. I totally get why he was uh, not too pleased with that. Um, 
But, you know, when a guy seemed to be in the zone the way he was in the first period, stopping all that rubber that was coming at him, all of a sudden seeing a guy get unhinged and take a couple penalties, um, probably not what you'd normally like to see. But credit to Gibson. I mean, he's now a veteran player. I think he knows himself. He knows his team quite well. Um, he was obviously fired up. He was on edge, but it didn't hurt his play. He was probably the best player on the ice last night, and he needed to be for the Ducks to, you know, get through the first period, never mind even, but up a couple goals. Um, and goaltending was a big, big part of it. Goaltending cannot, it is not a worry for the Winnipeg Jets. Connor Hellebuck is going to be fine going forward. We can talk about the backup position at whatever point Eric Comrie gets in. Um, but more often than not, the Jets are going to be just fine in net. The, the special teams, though, is something that they're going to need to be better. I think immediately having Mark Shifley back in the lineup is going to make that power play more potent and have a little bit more finish on it. Um, but the penalty kill did not get off to a good start, and that is going to be something that they will absolutely need to work on and uh, continue to improve because they're going to be spending some time killing penalties, and that can't be an Achilles heel for the hockey club. I'm not suggesting that it is. Just wasn't a great start for those penalty-killing units who are without a few key penalty killers from last season that were relied on pretty heavily in fourth-line and PK roles by Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice. Uh, so Marat will join us coming up in, I don't know, 25 minutes or so, but we are going to talk Moose. Now, I will get into more on Canada's win last night against Panama. Uh, I tweeted it out. I hope some of you followed my advice. The best part about this 9 p.m. start last night was the fact that we were able to watch Canada play against Panama. Didn't start out too well, but man, did it finish in historic fashion. So much excitement about the Canadian soccer team. And then we'll also get to uh, Thursday night football a little bit later on as well as Game 5 between the Dodgers and Giants tonight. So Dan Fink's going to join us in just a second. Uh, before we do that, a big shout out to our newest sponsor, Culligan Water over at 1200 Sergeant. You can give him a call at 694-5180 and see him online at drinkculligan.com. They're celebrating 65 years in the business as the go-to people for all things water here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Uh, and they really do have everything for you, your family, or business when it comes to perfect, clear water for drinking on a regular basis. Water softeners, filters, full home drinking systems, drinking water systems as well, not to mention bottled water coolers, bottle free coolers for your home, as well as water delivery services citywide. And if you do have a business uh, where you're looking for water for your employees or other many needs, uh, commercial industrial water products and services, all available from the experts at Culligan Water as well. Stay hydrated and do it with the good stuff. Culligan Water, and by the way, this week only, right up until Friday, they've got a great offer, $9.99 a month for three months, home equipment rentals so find out more ask them about it tell them you heard about it on winnipeg sports talk if you don't mind 694-5180 it's culligan water over at 1200 sergeant drink culligan.com of course winter's just around the corner donnie and the guys at manitoba battery are ready to power you through the extreme winnipeg winter but don't wait don't be that guy that realizes it's minus 35 and the car won't turn over and you are negligent in getting a new battery for your 
ride. The good news is you don't even have to leave your house. You'll get a better price on the same battery than you would by getting out of your spot, getting down to Costco or one of the big box stores. Manitoba Battery will deliver it to you for less than it would cost to get you elsewhere. Uh, or you can just pop in and get a great price at 1026 Logan. Give them a call at 783-8787. Find them online at manitobabattery.com. And it's so much more than just car batteries. They've got industrial batteries, farm power sports, sleds coming up. All you uh, skidoers, you might want to make sure you got juiced up for that. Medicare batteries and more. And they do have the fall special right now. $20 maintainer for your battery. If you've got a boat, a summer car you're putting away, make sure that sucker's ready to go with one turn of the key beginning next spring. Manitoba Battery. Give Donnie and the guys a call. 783-8787 at manitobabattery.com. And I will say, I know uh, Owen was in the chat yesterday mentioning that he just got a beautiful new Cole Perfetti custom jersey over at Royal Sports for the upcoming season. We'll see how many times we'll be able to see Cole Perfetti at Canada Life Center this year. I can tell you, though, the Jet jerseys are ready to go. Many different models, many different players, or get a custom one with your name on it or your favorite new player, maybe a Nate Schmidt, maybe Brendan Dillon. I have a feeling a few more 91s like Cole Perfetti will be coming out. Bomber gear, NFL merchandise, NHL, it's all there at Royal Sports, the best selection you have ever seen. And if you are a hockey player or have one in the family, you know that they have been the hockey superstore in Winnipeg for 35 years plus and counting Royal Sports 750 Pemina connected to Kings Skate, Snow and Surf. All right, we'll get back to the big club in a few minutes with Murata Tesh, who's going to join us on the road to discuss last night's opening loss to the Anaheim Ducks. But the AHL affiliate of the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, are getting ready to both welcome back fans to the building and get ready to start the season on the weekend. And the voice of the Moose, Daniel Fink, joins us from, uh, looks like from the Iceplex. Finker, what's going on? How are you? Oh, it's good to be back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Exciting days ahead and exciting day today. So uh, it's great to talk to you, Huss, and looking forward to get going this weekend. Well, hey, dude, it's great to have you back. And uh, I mean, you know, we were talking yesterday just before the Jets home opener, how uh, what an exciting time it is for fans. And I think in general, if you're a sports fan, just the opportunity to get back and cheer on our teams and be in the building is something that we've been waiting a long time for. Uh, But on top of it all, to go into a season with the expectations that the Jets have, even on the junior side with the ice have done at the Western Hockey League. And I'm looking at this Manitoba Moose roster and looking at this, the homegrown prospects that have come into the lineup. And you correct me if I'm, if you think I'm wrong, the talent on this Moose team, especially the blue line, far exceeding what we've seen in the past. And I would imagine that's leading to uh, some pretty lofty expectations over in the Moose dressing room heading into the season as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting season to come into because uh, there there are some expectations. I don't know if we've necessarily dealt with that a lot in the past. I mean, 17-18, the Moose obviously had an incredible team through the first half of the season, but nobody really expected anything because there were guys by the name of Mason Appleton and Sammy Niku who... Nobody had really seen much from Jack Rosovic. It had a good rookie season. And then obviously that Moose team for the first half of the season was incredible. Uh, this this year, I think there's a little, little more expectation. 
And you're right. It definitely goes back to that blue line because uh, you look through and you see all the Jets prospects and the guys who had pretty solid seasons last year who have really emerged onto people's radars, especially after the preseason when folks got to really get to know Johnny Kovacevic and uh, and Declan Chisholm, guys like that a little better throughout the preseason. So uh, there's definitely a lot of excitement. That blue line is going to be a lot of fun for Moose fans and Jets fans who are going to be watching it very closely, I'm sure. Um, and then up front you know what they've done a fantastic job in the organization of bringing guys in to to really solidify things and to, when you can have players like Jeff Mallott and David Gustafson who are returning uh, CJC's guys who just know the organization have been a part of an organization and then you start to slide in guys like Austin Pagansky and Luke Johnson and Mikey Acemont guys like that who you start to look at their body of work and very familiar with Pagansky and Johnson what they've been able to do in the American League uh there's a lot of depth on this team and to the roster still kind of working its way, solidifying as it does for the first few weeks of the season. But there's a lot of good options out there for Mark Morrison to use. Well, speaking of Mark Morrison, uh, first off, tell us about how camp has been. And I know it's been a little bit strange. A lot of players were with the Jets. A bunch of them came over in a group, still waiting on a couple that I'm sure the coach is hoping to have in his lineup. Well, Billy Hanel has come this week. We'll see what happens with Cole Perfetti. Tell us a little bit about Mark Morrison, how he's run, maybe what's been different, if at all, if anything, from Pascal Vincent's reign as head coach, and uh, you know how he is kind of molding into this new club and his new opportunity. Honestly, I'd say a lot, a lot of things have been very similar. Um, it, it, the practices are, are hard and quick, and. Uh, it, don't overstay their welcome, things like that. The guys are getting in lots of work uh, after kind of the official practice is done, lots of skills work, things like that. So the focus on development, of course, is is always there. And uh, there's an element of familiarity with Mark Morrison as well because he was with the organization previously. Not a lot of the guys on this team still here from when he was with the Moose uh, basically five seasons ago, my first year with the club. But uh, he knows what the expectation is from the big club and how this American Hockey League franchise is supposed to be run and the focus on development and that's really as uh, as mark has mentioned in some of his previous interviews like that's that's what really drives him is getting those guys to the next level so there's a huge focus on development and kind of getting to know everybody as well it's always tough for a new head coach walking into a new organization you got to meet everybody some of the established guys figure out who your leaders are and work with those veterans to kind of establish that group and, and get to know some of the young guys as well so there's a lot of learning going on for everybody but it's it's really going to be interesting to see uh, what develops as the puck finally drops on on Saturday. Yeah, of course, the Moose uh, heading out to Toronto for a couple of games, and we'll get to the home opener and everything else coming on in the schedule. But as far as the roster goes, well, let's start in net. Um, a lot of talk about the goaltending position, the backup opportunity behind Connor Hellebuck, which has been there for the taking for Eric Comrie. He's on the roster. And now not only do we have Mikhail Burden, but we got a chance to see Arvid Holm for the first time, and uh, kind of hard to miss him at how big he is. Uh, fill us in on the goaltending tandem heading into the opening weekend, Dan. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of goalie in the net for the most <laughs> this season. I mean, even Mikhail Burden at 6'2 isn't exactly a small guy either. So uh, with Arvid Holm towering at 6'5, there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of pad to get around if you're shooting on moose goaltenders. So we know what to expect from Mikhail Burden. Um, he is the ability anything. to be dynamic. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Anything and everything is on the table. Uh, he can be incredibly dynamic. Uh, 
previous seasons. I think we saw it a little last season. Maybe uh, he played 30 of 36 games, maybe got a little burnt out towards the end of the year, and there was some inconsistency there. So it's a good opportunity this year for uh, for Burden to maybe not have to shoulder the load, as he will shoulder the load, anticipating that, but maybe not quite as heavily as previously. Uh, two seasons ago, Eric Comrie gets claimed on waivers and goes through his nightmare season of spending all the time on the waiver wire and just trying to get back into the lineup and uh, didn't get a whole season. So Burden played a ton of games off the top, maybe a little more consistency for Burden, all injuries and knock on wood, all that stuff stays out of there, but uh, an opportunity for him to really solidify himself and, and have an opportunity to get a little rest as Arvid home starts to get in more games and, uh, and work as a backup. So maybe a bit more of a battery this year. So that's, that's definitely exciting. And Arvid home got to see him a little, uh, this uh, this training camp, it's always tough in camp to get a read on goaltenders and things like that. So really, really looking forward to seeing what he can do because his SHL numbers over in Sweden are, are very impressive for a young goaltender. And uh, when you see that those guys come over, it's a bit of a change. The angles change, the speed changes and things like that. So uh, it's a bit of an adjustment even for the goaltenders playing to the North American game. So it's going to be exciting to watch these young goaltenders really develop throughout the season. Dan Fink is the voice of the Manitoba Moose with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for the uh, opening of Moose season on the road this weekend against the Marlies on the 16th and 17th. The blue line really looks like a strength. And I mean, having, you know, worked with the team before, just thinking about Moose teams over the course of the years, at least on paper, Dan, assuming that Billy Hanel is back, Dylan Samber gets healthy and is back with the club the way things look to be, you, you move those guys in, along with Johnny Kovacevich in the season he had last year, Leon Gavanka, who was going to be heading to the Olympics. Um, at, at least on paper right now, this looks like as deep of a defensive unit as we've had in a long time with the Manitoba Moose, and that's going to be music to the ears of Burden and Holm, who are the last line of defense. Yeah, and for a team as well that was very good defensively last season, bit of a slow start for the Moose, but once they found their stride and some of those young defensemen kind of got acclimated to the AHL game, there was a streak where the Moose hadn't allowed over 30 shots in 10-plus games throughout that long homestand they had. Uh, And then you return everybody, especially on that back end, and then you add in a second-round pick in Simon Lundmark. I mean, there's six Jets draft picks already on this Moose blue line, and you were mentioning other possibilities as well. So, And then you have guys like Jimmy Olin, who's a solid veteran, and uh, Trent Bork and Hayden Shaw, who were really solid for the Moose in depth roles last season and really stepped up throughout the year. So the depth is definitely there for the Moose defense, and man, is it? it's mobile, it's skilled. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch what these guys can do this season and the kind of uh, attack that maybe the Moose are able to play, uh, how aggressive they can be, and uh, just uh, the skill level out there is a lot of fun. And there's there's still going to be nights where it is the American Hockey League, and this is still a very young core. It is a very talented decor, but it is also a very young core. So there's going to be those nights where maybe the wheels fall off for a few minutes, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this group. I mean, the youth, the skill, the speed, up and down, the back end from the goaltenders out to the defense is just uh, going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, and you know, I should have mentioned Declan Chisholm as well, because I thought that Declan uh, really acquitted himself well during his opportunities in training camp and in the preseason. And, you know, what's interesting, Dan, as you mentioned, you know, six Jets draft picks in the mix. I mean, there's always been one or two guys that they've hoped that would, you know, sort of, you know, run with it and make that move. But now, you know, you mentioned the six moose, uh, the six Jet draft picks, along with some pretty established moose players. 
Mark Morrison's going to have some legitimate competition for spots in that top six. Um, and it could be some tough decisions. And that is not something that we've been used to seeing, at least in the last couple of years, the Jets sort of replenish the cupboard, if you will, on quality defense prospects in the organization. Yeah, that's why I'm glad I just get to talk about them once they're out there. I don't have to make any of those decisions. So, yeah, it's uh, with with that group. I mean, there, there's guys who last year, I mean, they really, I was mentioning Shaw and Bork. I mean, because of how injured the Moose got at a couple of points and guys going up to the Jets as well uh, and the taxi squad on top of it, they they got a lot of playing time last year. It really showed that they can play at the AHL level, that they're more than just depth call-up guys. So there's going to be a real fight for spots and playing time. And it's going to be a tough juggling act. I mean, obviously the, the Jets prospects have to get their playing time, but then you've got these other guys that are going to be pushing them. And merit is an important thing when it comes to getting in the lineup. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Mark Morrison and Eric Dubois are able to run their defense because uh, it's obviously such an important part of a team that how you play defensively and where you generate offense from your back end, how it starts coming out of your own end with puck retrieval and breakout passes, things like that. So uh, when a team can move the puck effectively from its back end, it's going to have a lot more success offensively. So it's going to be, like I've said, I, I sound like a broken record, I'm sure, but it's just it's really exciting and going to be a lot of fun this season to see how this all plays out and how all of these young guys acquit themselves. No doubt about it. And I think a lot of them are so close to, uh, you know, basically one injury away from getting a call up and being with the big club. I mean, that should bode well for the team. As far as up front goes, I'll be the first one to say I was a little surprised that David Gustafson maybe didn't get more opportunities through training camp in the preseason. He was sort of established in a fifth line role. And I think coming off his player of the year award for the moose last year, I thought that he might be, although the lack of success in the face-off circle might uh, help Gus's cause when it comes to getting back up to playing with the Winnipeg jets. But I mean, I look at the forwards right now and we won't really get into Cole Perfetti because as of right now, he's with the Winnipeg jets and is not part of the mix. Although he could be, which is a real positive for the organization. And I think the player, if he's not going to be playing a lot with the Winnipeg jets, but David Gustafson and Dominic Toninato, both players who are absolutely in the mix for potential playing time with the Jets, are back with the club. Those guys and Toninato worked through a really difficult season last year and earned his way into the lineup for the Jets in the playoffs. Um, and a big part of that was the success that he had once he finally got back into the lineup with the Moose. But beyond Gustafson and Toninato, um, and maybe if you can tell us if you know sort of how things are looking going into this opening weekend. Um, as far as guys that'll be playing in the top six, who will Mark Morrison be leaning on in those offensive opportunities? And uh, how are things shaking out right now at this very early point of the season, if we know? A lot of lot of moving parts right now still, Huss. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of different looks uh, throughout. I mean, we've seen a little bit of Johnson, AC Montpagansky together. Uh, we've seen a little Malott and Gustafson. They were obviously a very effective pairing uh, for the Moose along with Nathan Todd last year. So it might be interesting to see if somebody slots in there. I mean, there's just a lot of good options, especially. I, I don't know that there's necessarily going to be uh, a player that goes out and puts up a point per game over a long stretch puts up 70 80 points or something insane like that in in over the course of the season but top to bottom through four lines i i think this this team's going to be able to put out 
whatever line they want and be able to find some success. I mean, you think about guys uh, like Cole Meyer and Nicholas Jones, who are names that might not be as familiar to some Jets fans that don't aren't able to keep as close an eye on the Moose. But the folks that were watching the Moose last season know that that duo who played almost every single game last year was incredibly important on the defensive side of the puck and special teams and uh, penalty kill and providing offense from from the depth lines. So uh, when you can build a top six out of guys like Pogansky, AC Mont, Johnson, Gustafson, Jeff Mallott had 14 goals in 34 games last year. Christian Reichel, who showed off what kind of shot he has in the in the Winnipeg Jets preseason with that snipe uh, in one of his games. And you start to fill out those lines and you look, and man, there's a lot of good options. Guys who, with uh, AC Mont, Pagansky, and Johnson, just mentioning earlier, they have an AHL resume. They've been on those power plays. They've been able to produce 30-point season, 20-goal seasons, things like that. David Gustafson is just a force in the American Hockey League. League physically when he goes powering to the net you already mentioned the face-off acumen so up the middle this team is stacked I haven't even mentioned CJ Cease yet um, when you <laughs> so when you look at the depth that this team has it's there's a lot of options out there and when you have that consistency throughout the lineup and those that experience as well it goes a long way at this level no doubt about it Dan Fink is the voice of the Manitoba Moose joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk all right let's look ahead to next week Uh, You can stick your marketing hat on for a minute here at DF. Home opener, Friday, October 22nd, to get things going, welcoming fans back in uh, in the arena. What do people need to know about the start of the season and the upcoming home opener and uh, anything else that you want to get out to Moose fans that are excited to get back downtown? Well, if you think the Moose fans are excited to get back downtown, just think how we are excited we are to have them back downtown no doubt. and to be back downtown overall. So, uh, no, we're we're ecstatic. This the, the buzz around the office is incredible. The buzz around the team every every time we have the guys up for media, they're talking about how great it's going to be to have fans back in the building. So we are absolutely ecstatic uh, to be welcoming folks back to, to Canada Life Centre. Um, if, if folks have been through the process, kind of the Jets preseason, you know what to expect. Um, arrive early. There is a little more going through vaccine checks and things like that. Uh, there's the no bag policy to keep your mind on, things like that. But uh, overall, we're just back to play some hockey. And uh, we're looking forward to having noisemakers at the door at, uh, at the home opener. Uh, I think the game ops crew is working through possibly lighting up that uh, project projection system as well, like the Jets were. So uh, there's a lot to look forward to there. And you know what, Huss? I actually I got a little trick up my sleeve this time because I knew I was coming on. So I actually have, for all my friends watching the show right now, there's a special discount code. that If you flip me a DM on Twitter, at Daniel Fink. First five people, I can hook you up with a special discount code for the home opener. So, yeah, get that Remo, get that uh, get that uh, tag up there. On, there on it yourself. is. You see it on. If you're listening on the podcast, is at Daniel the Fink. Send him a slide into his DMs. He will <laughs> he will get you a promo code and uh, get you a nice price on tickets for the home opener. Uh, Dan, in, in all sincerity, though, I have just enjoyed listening to your calls since you took over. I, I mean. Winnipeg, we've been blessed. Uh, you know, for sports fans in this city, we have one of the greatest to ever do it in Bob Irving, calling Bomber games for decades on 680 CGOB. 
We've got our good friend Paul Edmonds, who, for my money, is one of the uh, best listens anywhere when it comes to broadcasting hockey. And uh, the job that you've done since taking over for the Moose has been great. Fill us in uh, on how people can listen to Moose games and keep track of the Moose throughout the season and uh, where we'll be listening to you. And, uh, and of course, Derek Meach joining you for many of the games as well in the booth. Yeah, I came armed with some news of my own this this uh, this time. Yeah, exciting to get our broadcast schedule out on on 680 CGOB. Of course, all the games uh, stream live at cgob.com slash sports and moosehockey.com slash listen live or through the fancy new redesigned Manitoba Moose app. We brought our A game this year and improved that. So uh, all the games can stream live there. Of course, we have AHL TV if you want to watch the games as well. A lot of great packages out there. Uh Jet season seat holders and moose season seat holders obviously have some uh, special options there as well. And you can catch Mitra and I on the broadcast there uh, this weekend. Actually, both moose games will be on the free view for AHL TV. So visit AHLTV.com and you can just watch the moose games there for free. Get a preview of the product and uh, it's it just gets better every year. So uh, excited to have more and more viewers and listeners and, and all of that. Uh, we actually have 10 games on 680 CJOB this season. I'm not going to run through them all, but we will be on the main station on Sunday. That's a 3 p.m. puck drop. First game, of course, goes 3 p.m. as well on Saturday. Uh, and again, just looping back to the home opener, uh, you can get your tickets at moosehockey.com slash tickets and all your moose info, obviously, on our social media feeds and moosehockey.com. Yeah. Oh, so. Before you do that, hit the DMs at Daniel DeFink. A promo code awaits you Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners for doing this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I yet. can't forget Munzee, who's back in the booth calling the ice games along yep. with our pal Kevin O. So we're uh, we're spoiled right now. But um, both from the talent calling the games as well as, you know, hopefully what happens on the ice right now, because certainly heading into the season, I haven't seen this much optimism on pretty much every team in town for a long, long time. Dan, this is awesome. All the best to you. Mark Morrison behind the bench. Everyone at the organization will look forward to seeing you next Friday for the home opener. And uh We'll do this on the reg throughout the season, keeping track on what's happening with the AHL affiliate of the Jets. Thanks a lot, Huss. Looking forward to having myself and a bunch of the guys on the show throughout the season. You got it. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much, pal. There he is. Dan Fink, great friend of the program. And I mean, it's great. I'm paying attention to the, the, the chat throughout this and people are fired up about the moose season and as they should be, you know, it, it's, I mean, it is such a great product uh, the hockey, and I mean, maybe I'm biased from working there for so long, but I really felt that, you know, once the Jets left, you know, people had a tough time getting into the Moose because they were still so sour about the team leaving originally. But, and this starts with Mark Shipman and particularly Craig Heisinger, who built that organization into, you know, one of the most respected outside of the National Hockey League. And, you know, all of that work paved the way for Winnipeg Jets 2.0 to be reality. But now to have the Moose back here, working hand-in-hand with the Winnipeg Jets just down the hall. We've talked so many times about all the benefits for the organization to have, Uh, but right now for fans, there are some incredible options right now outside of NHL ticket prices with the Moose and with the Ice right now, and uh, both teams looking very, very good going into the season. That was great stuff with Dan. We'll look forward to having uh, him back throughout the year as well as some of the uh, the Moose players. We'll get to Murata Tesh in just a few minutes. I do want to thank... 
Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, it was great to have Ted Wyman on. Ted really probably my go-to guy for all things curling right now. Uh, Princess Auto has been an incredible supporter of curling in our province, as well as so many other things in the community. But as we get ready to um, begin the hockey season, curling season is well underway. The Mike McEwen rink and Jen Jones rink, both proudly sponsored by Princess Auto, are going to Saskatoon to try to represent Canada as the Olympic reps for the Beijing Games. We'll follow that, but it was great to have Ted on yesterday. And as far as Princess Auto goes, many of you, I've never seen so many so much positive reaction to a new sponsor um, because if you... Uh, Work on things, you work with tools, you know that Princess Auto is maybe the best, most unique store around. Two locations in Winnipeg, but you can shop online 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at princessauto.com, where you can find everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new and help you create the ideas in your head and make them a reality. Whether for your shop, worksite, or home, Princess Auto knows you love finding the right tools and equipment to build or repair your things yourself. It's all waiting for you at one of the two locations in Winnipeg or at princessauto.com. Um, you know, a few things. I got to give a shout out to our pals over at, uh, at Little Brown Jug. A lot of exciting things happening there right now, including... For those of you that were such a big fan as I was of the summer lager, we've got a couple promos happening right now. Uh, the kegs. If you have the ability for a keg, the 19 liter and 50 liter summer lager kegs right now are on for over 40% off. Obviously, you need to get those down at the uh, at the tap room. They got the S'more Beer Please event on Friday night down on the patio. A little bonfire, some beer, some fun stuff might be a great thing to do before the bomber game. Um, but this is the thing I want to let you know about when it, the Little Brown Jug. If you haven't been down to the tap room and patio, it's such a great spot. It's where all the magic happens. But they also just went live with an event booking page where you can find out about booking holiday parties, birthdays, bachelorette parties, etc., so get on over to littlebrownjug.ca. We'll maybe throw that link up in the chat as well for you so you can go to it. Uh, but it is a great option that maybe a lot of people haven't thought of before. Think about it for your next event down at Little Brown Jug. All the information's there at littlebrownjug.ca. And man, it was great to see so many people. I got a couple texts from friends. I was I had an early meeting this morning, so I stayed in last night to watch the game. But you know we'll be back at Boston Pizza Lounges to uh, gather with friends throughout the season. Tonight, NFL football. Tomorrow, Bombers. Saturday, Jets. There's nowhere better, regardless of where you're at in southern Manitoba, to get together with friends to watch the big game. That's at Boston Pizza. Schooners, cold beer, great wings, awesome pizza. And the big game with big sound, nowhere better than Boston Pizza. And, of course, you can order for home delivery online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we're going to get Murata Tesh coming up in a couple minutes. Murat is going to join us over from California. Just before we get back to the hockey, do want to mention a couple things in relation to tomorrow's Blue Bomber game. We'll really hit the Bomber game tomorrow and set it all up. But it's official. The Elks have put out their depth chart for tomorrow's game and Trevor Harris ain't on it. Uh, They're going with Taylor Cornelius and Dakota Prokop as the quarterbacks. This is a huge story in the Canadian football league, and especially in Edmonton where they've invested so much in that offense, spent a lot of money on Trevor Harris. And the fact that he won't be dressing is uh, somewhat stunning. I think to most observers in the Canadian football league, all that being said, 
we will have a game tomorrow night. And you know that Zach Caleros is going to be behind center for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. However, for the first time in a while, the offensive line is going to look a little bit different. Jamarcus Hardrick is out for the game, which means that Patty Newfeld will be moving outside to play the tackle position, and Tui Eli gets the start in the middle. So uh, no Jamarcus Hardrick. Patty Newfeld up to the challenge tomorrow night. We'll have much more on the Bombers um, and Elks tomorrow night. And I should mention the Hammer hosted the Grey Cup this year, a little later on into December. I'm not sure what the Grey Cup week is going to be like in the COVID era, but the good news is for uh, for fans, and I've been looking forward to get to Hamilton for a while to see the game, uh, to see a Grey Cup. They're getting it for 2023 as well. So uh, start making your plans. Hopefully the Bombers can uh, be in both of those games going forward. All right, let's get back to the Winnipeg Jets. We now go live on location to Southern California. Our friend Murata Tesh of The Athletic is on the road covering the Winnipeg Jets opening season road trip and joins us now. Uh, Murat, how are things down in sunny Southern California? Yeah, I got the hat on. I was wearing some shades earlier. I, I think it's an awfully nice look. All the sunshine and palm trees and hockey all at the same time. It's been good. Oh, I'll tell you what. I mean, as much as it was uh, uh, you know, nice to be outside and see all the great sights and sounds, I imagine for you, the best sight and sound was uh, dropping the puck on another season in a building with live, breathing, yelling, passionate hockey fans last night, even in Anaheim. Absolutely. It definitely was. I mean, first of all, just the surrealness of being back on the road covering a team uh, at all. Doing the travel for it is is just amazing. I heard a real live ref you suck chant several times last night, especially when Mason McTavish's goal was initially called back and they had to go to review. Uh, in the third period, I heard we want chicken. And that was even louder than Refuse Suck. I don't know what the promotion is at the Honda Center in Anaheim. I don't know what has to happen for people to win chicken or get chicken. But I guess they were close. And just having that like that atmosphere, I mean, I was laughing out loud, uh, just getting a kick out of it. And it's going to be just like that and, and some, if we're being honest, in Winnipeg uh, when the Jets come back. No doubt about it. I have a feeling there's, uh, you know, everyone's getting a two-piece and fries if the Ducks score five in a game and everyone's <laughs> fired up. It's like the pancakes uh, chant at the Goldeye games and whatnot. Um, well, let's get to the game last night. I mean, obviously the result wasn't what the team wanted. I mean, you finish up a 4-1. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, this game, in a lot of ways, when you go back and do the autopsy, sort of turned against them in the first period. And John Gibson was a huge, huge part of that. The inability, despite all the puck control, all the shots on net to score, sort of put them at it as a deficit. And you, know, you wouldn't think that against a, a Ducks power play that was historically bad last year. But you can't score on your opportunities, even if you get a bunch of them and have two power play goals go in on the other end. Uh, tough to win hockey games. Uh, from your perspective, how big was the special teams battle in last night's opening season loss? Oh, it was enormous. It was really, you know, a huge swing in the game. The Jets get power play after power play to start the game. They generate chances, sure. Um, and I know that, the, you know, I go two ways about the, the Jets power play, especially early on last night. I mean, the, the shot count was unreal. The, the puck movement was pretty good. They were getting looks from good spots. At the same time, you know, when those individual shot attempts are often coming off of Blake Wheeler's stick, I think to myself, gosh, like, you know, Mark Shifley would probably bury a couple of those or at least give John Gibson a little bit more of a threat. At the same time, Gibson is robbing Kyle Connor and Josh Morrissey and Nick Ehlers and all of the like uh, as it goes on as well. He deserves a, a whole pile of credit. 
I thought that the power play showed looks that over the long haul, they're going to score. I, I didn't really stress out. I did think it was really interesting that after the first power play, Wheeler's unit got a minute 50. Wheeler's comes on for 10 seconds. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's going to be a, a huge disparity in terms of the minutes. It was almost even by the end of the game. Wheeler's unit was 420, 426. Wheeler's uh, was just over four. So that was kind of interesting to me. I thought both units got enough chances to score. It was the PK that was the issue. Um, not only were there some poor crease clears, I think the Jets would have wanted to, to fight for those deflections a little bit more in terms of getting onto guys' sticks. Uh, Paul Maurice referenced five straight face-off losses before the one goal. I, they spent too much time in setup, being defensive uh, on that PK. Um, and beyond that, too, I don't think I like some of the penalties they took to put them on the PK. You knew that the whistles were going to go the other way. And then when you have Blake Wheeler giving it away to Jamie Drysdale, trying to chase him and getting a hold on him, I mean, that's a call the refs are going to make 10 out of 10 times. That leads to that a deflection goal by Ricard Raquel. I thought Winnipeg played a good game except for on the PK. Yeah, and, and I think you make a great point about the penalties that were taken. I mean, everyone knows. I mean, it's just the way the game works. I mean, if you start off with four straight power play chances, the referees are going to uh, not discriminate too much on close calls, whether to put you in the box. And, you know, that way, and, and those are going to happen, but you do have to be able to kill them. And, you know, it, it, it did seem in the postgame comments from, uh, from coach afterwards that I think he liked a lot of the things that his team did overall in the game, but it was the it was the PK that was of most concern to him the way they came out. And I mean, maybe that's going to be in work in, a work in progress because as much as you have some veterans like an Andrew Kopp and an Adam Lowry that have been in that position for a number of years, if you think back to guys that were regular penalty killers for the Winnipeg Jets last night, a number of or last season, a number of them were fourth liners that are now gone. And it will be incumbent on some guys to step up and really take that role and excel in it um, because their bottom line is you're not going to win many games if you're giving up a couple power play goals every time you're out. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the defense, the defensemen should be solid on that regard. I would expect better crease clears from a, Brendan Dillon and, you know, Logan Stanley, all, all of the like, you know, DeMello Pionk also getting minutes there. But up front, I mean, Riley Nash is going to play a ton of minutes. Cobb and Lowry are a sure thing. Paul Stastny was an interesting choice, I thought. You know, it was sort of the decision to go with a really intelligent player who's going to make the read, but one whose top-end speed isn't a lot. So it's kind of like the anti-Brandon Tanner from Once Upon a Time, where he was just covering so much ground on that PK to make things uh, as difficult as possible. Um, late in the game when they were chasing and sort of going for that offensive prayer, uh, they put Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor on the PK as well. That was an interesting look. Uh, you know, I, I think that finding out who are going to be those guys for Paul Maurice is an issue, an ongoing issue, and a sustainable kind of thing. And that's why there was so much focus on it. I mean, he wanted those face-off wins. And, you know, you can argue that, you know, those deflections were kind of lucky or kind of amazing. Uh, you can argue that Hellebuck may get to more of those. But if you lose all those draws, you spend all that time set up, bad things are eventually going to happen. And I think that that's why that was the focus. I thought some of the other areas that Winnipeg you know, struggled with, only the one goal, you know, the power play didn't score. Uh, you could talk about the first goal Hellebuck gave up. I don't think I expect those problems to last. I think those are the sorts of things you play enough games, they go well. The PK, he's looking for answers, I think, still. So. 
overall, what did you think about the Jets at five on five? Because special teams was such a big part of the game and there wasn't a lot of consistent five on five play for the better part of the first couple periods. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was quick feet, sometimes clumsy hands, good thoughts, not always perfect execution. But I, the way that I think about it is this. At five on five last year, Winnipeg struggled to get the stops defensively. They spent a lot of time in their own zone. And then their breakout attempts were often clearances or players completely out of position. Breaking the puck up ice was tough after spending 30, 40 seconds on defense. It wasn't quite like that last night. That was a, that was a major improvement. They got the stops a little bit sooner. They made those first passes a little bit better. They hit the neutral zone with speed a little bit more often. But where that funnel kind of broke apart a little bit was getting over that offensive blue line and then doing something dangerous with the puck. And I think that's a good problem to have, you know, getting tied up timing-wise at the blue line, kind of getting wires crossed, cutting through the neutral zone with speed, because that means they're getting there. Systemically, that's a better situation and a better issue to be in than not getting the stops and and the breakouts in the first place. So I think that the Jets will look for better turning that transition into actual offensive five on five cleaner passes, more instinct timing at the, at the lines. But I think that they should be reasonably pleased with the, with the game one effort at five on five. Uh, Murata Tesh of the athletic with us live from California on the road with the Winnipeg jets after last night's season opening four one loss to the Anaheim ducks. Let's talk about the new players, new faces. And we'll start off with Cole Perfetti. I mean, everyone was excited to see, uh, listen, Mason McTavish was the star rookie of the game. He really did make an impact. Um, what did you think about Perfetti in his first uh, taste of NHL hockey? Well, his first shift, a very responsible 34 seconds long. He made three interceptions. Three interceptions. And I know that some of the passes were a little bit soft on the Ducks' side. You know, I don't think they executed them all. But he comes onto the ice, you know, heralded as this offensive player, potential top six power play guy, you know, at, at his peak and for a lot of years. But the first place he makes are to make reads in the neutral zone and cut things off. Uh, Josh Morrissey was praising him for some of the plays he made defensively. Kyle Connor was praising him for a, a semi found to Connor in the middle of the ice uh, in the second period as well. I thought as nervous as Perfetti said he was, just trying to keep his hot lap simple, um, not fall over, not do anything that ends up on TSN or turns into a gift. Like the guy was composed and he thought quickly. And when he got a puck with pressure on him, um, coming at him at NHL speed, his instincts took over, and he just made the simple play to move the puck to a slightly better position. I honestly thought it was a very good NHL debut uh, from from Perfetti, and I was so glad for him personally that he got to do it, and his family got to make it out. His parents were there in the building to see it. Yeah, when Remus was mentioning that, I mean, that interview uh, they uh, they had earlier, I believe it was with Mitch, and they maybe told this story to a few folks, but... Um, barely even got on the plane. And ironically, it was Ducks defenseman Jamie Drysdale's father that got them to hold the plane, let them get on. They gave them a nice little welcome and yeah, a real special, special day for the family. Um, As far as Perfetti goes and what he showed last night, I mean, I didn't think he looked out of place. I mean, I don't think there was any real standout moment, but that's probably a good thing for a rookie to go in and, and show that they sort of fit. Maurice was complimentary of Perfetti, but I found that he, um, it, it wasn't like he was uh, equivalent to go, well, he showed us so much. He's definitely in the lineup in the next game. H- how do you think his performance last night might affect decision-making for the higher-ups going into the rest of this road trip? And well, let's just talk about the first few weeks of the season, whether he's on a, a jet or a Manitoba moose next week. 
you know, the sequence of events after the game made me wonder if that decision's a little made. And the reason that I, I thought say so that, too. <laughs> yeah, you, you get the sense. I mean, I asked, uh, I think the order goes Josh Morrissey. I asked, you know, the, the review of Cole Perfetti's game. Man, he made some veteran style plays out there, little things in the defensive zone, little things that the blue line didn't look a minute out of place. Ask Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor says, gosh, he, he thinks one step faster than everybody else out there. And I agree with you, Hus. Like, there was nothing spectacular, but it was that each possession, or almost every possession, it wasn't perfect, each possession moved the puck to a slightly better spot than it was in a second ago. And I think that that's the heady game that Perfetti will develop. Then you ask uh, Paul Maurice, and he says, yeah, he played a good game, but what's best for him? And he sort of hedges, and you start to hear that AHL talk creep back in. And maybe at the end of all of this, it was a reward for fine NHL quality play. It was an opportunity with Mark Scheifele out of the lineup. And perhaps Perfetti, maybe he gets into another game on this road trip. Maybe he doesn't. But one imagines him as a long-term Manitoba Moose this season, playing big minutes, likely at center. And we'll see, though. Because I, I thought he was well inside the top nine of effective Winnipeg Jets last night. And it's just what the what the Jets think is best for his development. Yeah, and, and and I think it's also important to get him in a spot that makes sense for him. And I I was, I mean, I think I, I was optimistic. I mean, the opportunity to play with Harkins and Lowry as opposed to being in a fourth line role with real limited minutes, I think made sense. But I mean, it didn't take long. And again, I know everyone always falls in love with the new guy, and especially the, you know the young players. And he has done so many things well to earn the excitement of Winnipeg Jet fans that are saying, like, let's just put them up top six right now, run them out every time. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of all that, Marat. Um, but I will say this. I don't think there was anything that happened last night that made me think that he's not ready for more looks in the National Hockey League. I just do wonder what the plan is because, let's face it, I don't think this is as fluid as maybe fans would understand or would like to think it is. Um, I'm sort of with you that this was a reward. This was a good opportunity to... You know, get him go in, play in the opening game of the season, much like Mark Shifley did in his rookie season. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, he was back in junior. This is different, though, because he's got the opportunity to play with the Moose. And, you know, if it is going to be in a very secondary role or not a lot of ice time in a spot that he doesn't play a lot, I kind of do subscribe to the fact he'd be better off with the Moose. But I can't help but think that it wouldn't be mine to see uh, a little bit more Cole Perfetti considering what he showed in game number one. Yeah, the truth is, I would like to see more, more Cole Perfetti at the NHL level. Absolutely. We're not anywhere near the nine games. You know, you, we're not at the risk of, you know, burning the ELC or, or, or what have you on, on that regard. Um, and the, the mind wants to do this. It says if the, if the default first NHL debut for Cole Perfetti is doing the little things right and more or less treading water with a little bit of promise, no major mistakes, then where can he go when, you know, he gets his feet under him a little bit when it's not his literal first shift or first period or first game of his NHL career. The game's going to come to him at a speed where he's able to progressively make a little bit more productive plays and and find those types of seams. Um, so you start thinking, projecting where he's going to be able to go, especially because his start looked responsible and clean. Um, the the counter argument to that, I guess, is that, you know, a veteran coach might think to himself, well, let's send him down to Excel where his confidence is still high. Let's not run that risk of, okay, at some point he makes a mistake and, you know, the pucks in our net and what have you. For me personally, I'm not there yet. I think the guy uh, is well inside the, the top nine of these Winnipeg Jets. Um, and I'd be curious. So 
Um, it's a good problem to have, to be sure. The Manitoba Moose are going to be stacked, to be sure. They're a Calder Cup contender, I believe. Um, and I don't think that, you know, aside from the Villahanala situation from a year ago where he simply didn't play for a month, I don't know that there's a bad situation available to Cole Perfetti this season. Yeah, no doubt. I, I will say I left the game. I mean, I went in, you know, optimistic and hoping that it went well for him. But I left the game thinking that he's more of a realistic option for this club based on injury or just by play, you know, after seeing that game than uh, than beforehand. So overall, solid start for Perfetti. That'll be a story we'll watch even just going into tomorrow's practice as well as Saturday's game. Um, but there were some others. Let's talk about the blue line. I mean, heck, we chopped this up for four months over the course of the offseason, uh, you know, talked about Nate Schmidt, talked about Brendan Dillon going in. Well, let's start with the Morrissey uh, pairing. I-, I thought Morrissey looked good last night, really good. And I think we've been having these conversations about Morrissey, the way he looked throughout training camp. Um, what were your first uh, f- first reviews of the Schmidt-Morrissey pairing? And how would you compare Josh in game number one to what you saw from uh, him last season? Yeah, I think Josh Morrissey is taking a step forward this season or a step back towards forward. That He has looked like he's playing pucks with purpose and intention basically from day one of training camp, and he's maintained that through preseason into day one of, uh, of the National Hockey League regular season as well. Got absolutely robbed by Gibson twice. He's jumping into the play assertively. He's moving the puck quickly on the power play. And I think that all around, this is a, a gentle step forward for a player that the Jets are counting on. Um, I did think that there were moments in Winnipeg's own end where you could kind of see Schmidt and Morrissey figuring each other out a little bit. This is the fastest, most NHL-ready competition they've faced quite yet. And I think they're still going to develop on on that end. There were a couple of you know missed plays on, on the wall or what have you. But the overall takeaway was good. I, I saw nothing to take me off the belief that that's going to be a, a highly functional top four pairing for the Winnipeg Jets. And that you know Josh Morrissey is going to help the Winnipeg Jets win hockey games in a top four role this year. Uh, what about Pionk and Dylan? You know, that one, just because of that one goal against the McTavish goal, where mm-hmm. it starts with Pionk on the wall and then the puck uh, doesn't make it out. And then you have sort of a, a bit of what, look, what looks like signals crossed from Andrew Kopp and Brendan Dillon leaving um, Isaac. La- I'm, I'm not sure his last name all of a sudden, but the Ducks player uh, in front, you know, he had just enough time to get a stick on it and get it off of a Hellebuck's path and go to McTavish. And I think that's a play where you want that reach as the season goes on to be made faster. You want, if that's Dylan's man, you want him to know that it's his man faster, not cops. And you want him to eliminate Isaac from the play. Yeah. Isaac Lendestrom was, uh, was his name. And uh, yeah, first two point game in the league, I believe last night. Wow, yeah. Okay, well, congratulations to Isaac Lundstrom. Pardon me for the for the name, but I thought that was a play that should have been eliminated. Um, but I'm not taking that to be a sign of Brendan Dillon's ability to clear the crease going forward. So again, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic about the Winnipeg five on five, top four defense included, based on what we saw last night. I don't think that they got outplayed to the tune of four one at, at even strength. I don't think that's the story of the night. Uh, goaltending was a huge part of it. And you, you, at a certain point, you got to tip your hat to, to John Gibson. I mean, a, a big part of the lack of power play success was simply the fact that he was standing on his head, making some big, big saves. He did get a little off kilter there for a while though. I mean, I, I have to admit, you know, for, for a guy that was playing so well, uh, it was strange to see him 
losing his cool the way that he did when he was playing at such a high level. Um, but maybe that's just the way that he gets into it. I did get him being a little hot when Andrew Kopp steamrolled the crease a little later on, and I think that was sort of trying to make something happen for Winnipeg's side of things and maybe get him a little bit more off kilter. But at the other end, I mean, it wasn't a, a banner Connor Hellebuck night. First goal was at a weird angle through a bit of traffic but probably doesn't go in very often. Um, but beyond that, Pretty tough to blame him on a couple of those tip-in goals. But again, that comes back to the PK, and that also comes back to net front presence, which I think is something that we certainly hope that Brendan Dillon will have a big part of eliminating for Connor Hellebuck going through the rest of these 81. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Eric Stevens, our, uh, our writer for the Ducks in for the Athletic about the Ducks. And the story about John Gibson this sort of offseason was for perhaps the first and most explicit time. He said out loud a couple of times, he's frustrated with the status of, of the Anaheim Ducks, you know, the, the amount of losing that they've done. It's become unacceptable to a point where he's talking about it a little bit more vocally. And I think that he's entering the season with as big of a chip on his shoulder as he's ever had. He's been under fire a whole bunch of times in Anaheim, being a really strong goaltender and dealing with it, so many pucks. And I mean, we've seen that story a couple of times with Connor Hellebuck at the other end of the ice. We know what that looks like. So I don't know if that's where it comes from. But when Pierre-Luc Dubois tried to cut off his pass and crash into the glass, I didn't see Dubois get a piece of John Gibson. And then you've got John Gibson putting Dubois in a headlock and you know, all the melee that sort of followed that. I didn't get what was going on there. John Gibson was on tilt for a moment. Maybe there's something that, you know, just from press box level, something little that you don't see. I, I thought that was confusing. I did agree with you about the, the Andrew Cobb net drive. You know, I think you got to drive the net, but at the same time, John Gibson's going to be upset about that. No grudges whatsoever on, on that one. That just makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, the story to me is Winnipeg got hella bucked, right? Like Winnipeg got... <laughs> They used to call it to get Gibson because they used to do that, but that's that's the story. And and for him, um, you know, I think he would have wanted to see that first puck that beat him just sort of through traffic cleanly, no bounce, as far as I could tell from Kevin Shattenkirk. That's not a goal you want to go in on Connor Hellebuck. The deflections were what they were. I I, I think that's more about cleaning up the deflection opportunities and assuming Hellebuck will get more of those than it is about blaming him specifically for them. Um, and then there was that sort of scrum around the net that, you know, we, we just talked about with McTavish. So, you know, if the bet is about Connor Hellebuck being a very good goalie this season, I, I'm not stressing over last necessarily, but we know it wasn't a great night from, from him in, in terms of his results. Yeah. Uh, uh, another guy that I think, you know, for obvious reasons was uh, on the tip of fans made an absolutely beautiful play setting up the one goal that the Jets did score in Kyle Connor. And of course I'm talking about Blake Wheeler, but did have his moments, couple penalties. Um, if there's anything that told you it was game number one of the regular season, it was that drop pass to Troy Terry right in front of Connor Hellebuck on the first shift of the game that said, okay, guys, it's the regular season. Let's go. Um, there was no Mark Shifley, but do you take anything from last night's game when it comes to the captain who is going to be relied on by Paul Maurice for some pretty important roles and pretty important playing time, certainly as long as he's up there on line number one? Well, I mean, when he's the online one, when he plays the third most even strength minutes, when he's on the number one power play, you, you have to talk about it. You have to acknowledge the fact that this is a, a critical player who is in a major role and he's a team leader, the team leader with a C on his chest as well. So you never like 
you know, struggling to the tune of, you know, certain more clumsy than usual plays from Wheeler, or you don't like two minor penalties taking a step behind the play, trying to get back into the play. Um, and so there's room for criticism of a single game performance, to be sure, from a player that that's, that's going to be that important. You know, as long as Blake Wheeler is capable of top six excellence and, and Mark Scheifele is capable of the same and Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers and, uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is an X-Factor and Paul Stapp, all this sort of, as long as those things happen, it's, a, it's an excellent forward group. And Blake Wheeler is still an excellent player in so many ways. That pass to Kyle Connor, definitely one of them. The way you can quarterback a power play, definitely one of them. I don't like him as a primary shooter on a power play, to tell you the truth, despite his 20-goal pace that he scored at for you know a decade now. Um, so I think I'm of two minds. It's necessary to point out that that was not Blake Wheeler's strongest game at 5-on-5, five five, and he's an important player, so that's something to watch. But at the same time, despite all of that, he makes that play to Kyle Connor that creates the goal. We know he's had slow starts in the past at 5-on-5, five five, even when he's put up points. And this is not at all him playing slowly, disorganized, hurt with the, the rib situation last year. Uh, it was simply just a, you know, maybe subpar by an excellent first liner standard and something to keep an eye on, given that Winnipeg has so much other forward talent that could take a couple of those minutes as the years go on. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Ehlers ended up with, what, the 1820. I think Rewicki said that he was fifth in ice time amongst Jet Forwards. But as you said, it was a pretty even split on the power play. Um, he was everywhere last night, and he was shooting the puck from everywhere, too. I mean, basically from the dressing room as well. Um <laughs> But what? But the overall, that line, um, I thought Pierre-Luc Dubois had some opportunities. He certainly did seem engaged. Um, but is that line still a work in progress? I mean, they played a lot together from the preseason. Uh, I'm just interested in your thoughts on that line as a group, because certainly we saw Ehlers do a lot of things individually that got people out of their seats. Yeah, I mean, my, my review of the line starts with his best player, I mean, he led the Jets with eight shots on the night, four of them on the power play, and then four at even strength. Part of that being at four on four, where he's basically a cheat code. I mean, the Ducks couldn't handle him other than John Gibson. Uh, So I think that as long as, you know, your most dangerous player is getting that, those kinds of looks, um, it's a good thing for for the line. And and I agree with you, Pierre-Luc Dubois looked engaged. I, I thought that it was quietly a strong start for him, you know, we were waiting for the moment he puts a defender on, on his back or, or trucks somebody over or whatever else it's going to be. That's that. It's just an exclamation mark. Pierre-Luc Dubois has arrived. He's an impact player. I thought it was quietly good from him. And I thought that his feet were moving. I thought he used his body. I thought he absorbed the, uh, the headlock from Gibson successfully. And then, you know, Andrew Kopp in my social media mentions got a lot of consternation. I guess guys are looking for, or people are looking for, pardon me, uh, a really uh, high-flying, flair-type, skill-first player in a top-six role. He's had success up there before, and, and I continue to believe that he's the sort of guy that possession can work well with, and he'll finish enough of those plays or put players in good situations. So, yeah, I, I guess the jury's still out on on how good that line compared to their top six ones this year. But as long as Ehlers is driving, I think that the the line itself is a success. Some of its parts is going very well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, So uh, Jets off today. 
back at it tomorrow. Um, what, what are you going to be paying attention to tomorrow in practice? I mean, coming out of this game before we get to San Jose, uh, what intrigues you and what you be looking at tomorrow before we see what the lineup looks like on Saturday night and how they bounce back from the season opening loss? Yeah, I'll be paying attention to line rushes out of the curiosity of what happens to Cole Perfetti. Oh, that's that's definitely up there in terms of just the little details. I'll be curious to see how much time they spend on the power play, which has also spent time on, on the PK as well. Who gets into that rotation? Does it continue to be Stastny? Um, does it continue to be to be Riley Nash or Coffin Lowry uh, United as well? So I think that special teams and maybe just a lot of touches and transition play would be the focus for Winnipeg because – the issue for me is, you know, is not that these bounces go past Connor Hellebuck necessarily. I don't think the Jets spent a ton of time in their own zone at five on five, especially the PK definitely for work. But again, I go back to turning that transition into genuine, reliable, sustainable offense. It's there. Nate Schmidt's jumping into the play. Josh Morrissey's jumping into the play. You've got that second wave that's been missing since Dustin Bufflin. Four guys at the line attacking a couple of different layers. But if the timing doesn't work, then and you kill the speed and the play dies and the wires get crossed, that never turns into that first high-quality shot or that sustained pressure uh, to get to that next stage of really established offensive zone time and creative plays that lead to goals. And so it's going to be timing touches speed that I focus on the most, or I, I believe they'll focus on the most, and I'll be looking for uh, at, at practice tomorrow and at the morning skate even as well. Hey, uh, what do you think the percentage chances that Perfetti is in the lineup for game two? 45. 45, a little bit less than 50, but close to it. I'm sort of there with you as well. <laughs> it, it's it, it, it's interesting because, as, I mean, we've talked about this before earlier today, but, I mean, I do think that he didn't do anything that would get him out of the lineup, but we can't forget that Mark Shifley was out, and Mark Shifley's coming back in, and somebody's coming out, and... You know, I, I think you're right to have it a little bit less than 50-50 because uh, you know, I think it sort of was telegraphed by the moves that were made with the lines in that Perfetti moves into line three, you move Stastny off of line three. If we're just moving Stastny back to his spot, who's the odd man out? Um, and listen, putting him on a fourth line role in place of a Veselainen uh, or, you know, or, or Nash. That's the I mean, you know, what, what, what will that do? So um, uh, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, what uh, what do you have cooking up? Uh, be a practice. Of course, you'll be tweeting out everything you see uh, there. And uh, I'm sure uh, lots more coming up in the athletic over the course of the road trip. Yeah, you know, uh, coming up today, maybe a little bit after we talk, I filed a piece. Editors are looking at it. And, and I tend to write a lot of words. So it'll, it'll take a minute. Um, I do a series of takeaways, not just from you know, the results of last night's game, but based on the systemic play, based on the idea that losing the first game isn't an emergency, but creating a way of Winnipeg Jets hockey that is sustainably good is the focus. So what can the Jets do at five on five on the PK? That, that'll come out later today. You know, I'm still pushing the Colbert Fendi family story that I wrote as well uh, earlier this week. If you haven't read it, please do. I mean, the guy was a kid, uh, you know, daydreaming about playing his first game, practicing those three steps onto the ice. And you get some really sweet insight from mom, dad, and his sister, Abby, as well, about just what kind of young man that he was and is and, and, and kind of will be as well. Um, so I, I, I'm really pleased with that, how that one came out. So I'll, I'll push that as well. But certainly, yeah, covering the rest of the road trip is fully in. 
and completely as I can. Happy to be here. Dude, the, the, the Perfetti piece was so great. Um, and, you know, we talked about it yesterday on the program. If you have not read it already, um, get to it. Remus has got it up on the uh, up on the screen right now. And as I said yesterday on the program, come for the great writing of Marat. Stay for the comedy in the comments. Uh, <laughs> how funny was that? The back and forth between Mark S. and Brendan L., I mean, that's an all-timer. I mean, our comment section is a good place. It's like one of my favorite unique places on the internet. But when you have Mark S. telling Brendan L. why Brendan L. was traded, I'm waiting for Kevin C., who's a notorious commenter as well, to swing in and confirm or deny the rumors. We'll see. If you're out there, Kevin C., I want your thoughts. <laughs> Definitely check that out The Athletic. Hey, I think Stonewall Dave, and, and I'm glad he reminded me because I did want to ask you this non-hockey question to finish this off. I know you were busy getting ready for the game, so you probably were not ready to watch it, able to watch it live. But did you see Alfonso Davies' goal last night for Canada? Uh, and and, and uh, <laughs> just what did you think? And, and you know, I know you're someone that's followed the uh, the plight of our men's national team for a long time. I mean, a, a historic win, uh, a, a scene packed with actual Canadian fans cheering on Team Canada. To me, it felt like a watershed moment for Canadian soccer last night as they pushed for a spot in the World Cup. But it all started with one of the greatest plays in men's Canadian soccer history by Davies. The wheels on that man are incredible. Are absolutely. If you are not on the Canadian men's soccer team bandwagon, you get on it right now. Come on! Jump aboard. You probably spent most of your life wondering when this team will be good. Well, that's happened. It's happening. Alfonso Davies is happening. The player on Panama that he outran by twice as much distance was sprinting towards that soccer ball. He was, he was running. He, he was flabbergasted. He was shocked that he came out of that challenge without the ball. Davis goes and creates the chance, creates the goal. I mean, we have a player that is Canadian playing at the highest level in the world, the highest level in the Bundesliga as well. I mean, and he's certainly the most dangerous weapon, but he's not the only one on that team. This is a special team that will probably qualify for the World Cup and score goals at it. It's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. And I mean, it all starts with our women who have been, I mean, they have been the ones that I think that have really gotten soccer on a more of a national platform, more average fans that, you know, are following the professional sports, paying attention to, had the great win at the Olympics. Um, but I'll tell you what, I mean, if this group of young players can you know, make the World Cup, I think we're going to see you know, another generation of young kids right now that are watching the Alfonso Davies that say, I want to be that guy. And uh, and I'll tell you what, it wasn't just Davies. I mean, that Tejon Buchanan was awesome last night. Um, Jonathan David, I mean, it's not just a one-man show. However, it was on that goal, and that goal could be something that pushes our team onto something real special. Murata, let, get let you get back to uh, everything you got going down in California. Thanks so much for doing this. Have a safe rest of the trip and uh, we'll look forward to catching up next week and you're back in the peg. I love it. Thanks so much. <laughs> right on. There he is. Marat Atesh at WPG Marat. And yes, make sure you check out the Cole Perfetti piece. Oh, it was just phenomenal. Something that really only Marat could do as well as uh, everything he's got coming up a little later on following the Jets coming out of last night's 4-1 loss to the Ducks and get ready for game number two Saturday night in the Shark Tank up the highway in Northern California against the San Jose Sharks. All right. I do want to talk a bit more about Alfonso Davies and I see so many people fire up in the chat about it. I love to see it. 
Um, I got to give a shout out to our pal Nick and Nikki in the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Four locations in Winnipeg, DQ Niverville, Northgate. Well, I guess Niverville is just outside the city. Uh, Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Um, we've got a lot of great stuff going on right now. The Incredible Ultimate Grill Burger, the Blizzards, uh, the take-home treats. Now that, you know, you might not be hitting the ice cream shop as much on a regular basis. And, of course, DQ Manitoba on Instagram is where you can find out some great fun promos, new products. But most importantly, it's the easiest way. Fire them a message. Let them know what you want. They'll have a DQ ice cream cake ready for you to pick up for your next event. Uh, DQ Manitoba on Instagram. Big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support from day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, our friends at Not Auto Corp are rolling. The Winnipeg Car Lab is up and going. If you've got any needs for a wrap for a vehicle, tinting, striping, all sorts of wild printing things they can do there, not to mention rims, other modifications, Hit them online, all the socials at Winnipeg Car Lab. And if you're thinking about a vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Nobody does it better. See them in person at Waverly and McGilvery or online at not.ca. And uh, we will get to our winner of last night's first goal contest at the end of the program. Shout out to everyone that guessed KFC for goal number one. Of course, Canadian Club, our great partners, our official whiskey and the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, available at all uh, games at IG Field and available at your local liquor marts. They've teed up for some great customized Winnipeg Sports Talk CC merchandise. We'll let you know who won the T-shirt and the Cool Bat hat at the end of the program. Uh, but make sure you're with us on Friday. Another one of the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies we've done with Canadian Club are going to be given out. And uh, I think we'll also get another I Love Rye package. And by the way, Jeff Kabilis, I see in the chat, we got you. We got you hooked up. I've got your win from last weekend uh, whenever you want to pick that up. Canadian Club, the good stuff. Hit it up at Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Uh, a great chat with Murata Tesh, and I know we can get into more of the Jets' comments. Uh, Remo, am I slowly but surely turning you into a bit of a soccer guy? Because I have to tell you, anyone that watched that game last night, I think, is hooked. Um, the performance by Canada falling down one nothing five minutes in, and I saw some chats. I was one of those people. I'm like, oh my god, this is such a big moment for our country and this opportunity. You can't lose at home to Panama like the United States did. And the way that they turned that game around, tied it in the first half. But what happened in the second half was truly magical. And it all started with the goal of the year. One of the most incredible athletic things I've ever seen in my life. Alfonso Davies hunted that guy down at full speed from about 80 yards away pickpocketed him and went in, scored on his own. That was the goal that put Canada up 2-1. I think that was the goal. That was the moment that I think gave a lot of Canadians on the fence some real belief that this team is capable of something special. And I got to tell you, dude, I think this ball is just starting to roll down the hill. You saw the crowd last night in Toronto. The crowds in Edmonton next month, I think, are going to be phenomenal. And they should be because this is, if you're a soccer fan that is long for Canada to be on the world stage in the men's game and play in the World Cup. We're as close as we've ever been, really, in our lifetime since the 80s and our last appearance, and it all starts with that phenom, Alfonso Davies. You've been talking about this World Cup qualifying for a long time, uh, Hustler, and I've heard about Alfonso Davies. Uh, Ryan Brandt would always talk about him at the old workplace. 
And that goal, I mean, everyone, my whole timeline was blowing up with Canadian men's soccer. I can't remember that ever happening and Canada ever having a dynamic player who's not only, you know, one of the best players, you know, Canadian players, but one of the best players in the world. And I mean, you think of, I see that goal. I'm like DK Metcalf chasing down, you know, the guy <laughs> a couple of years yes. ago. Um, and yeah, I mean, the play to catch up, to even get, to not give up on the play, keep the ball in bounds. And then the move, uh, incredible goal. And, you know, Canada at the World Cup uh, almost seems like an oxymoron in the past, but not not anymore. And you talk about the women. I've definitely been on the women's bandwagon for soccer heading back, you know, 2012. Uh, really got really got into it then. And I mean, now these qualifying games, uh, now that they're especially now that they're on TV, not on a streaming service that nobody gets. I think more people can get into them. <laughs> By the way, speaking of this this streaming service, and not to give a shot at, to one of the big companies, you never know when we'll have to work with them or do anything for them. But what a disaster for Sportsnet last night! Opening night mm-hmm. of the hockey season, you've got the rights to the Canada Panama game happening at the same time. All afternoon, if you had the television on, they've got that guy in the goofy suit that annoys a lot of people in the commercials, telling everyone about the new Sportsnet streaming Mm -hmm. app and how it's going to work. And then the games start. Habs Toronto, Canada Panama, and the service goes down. Not not yeah. a great start. That's why it was trending, if you were wondering why everyone was talking about I, the other uh, station. I saw people trying to do the Leafs game on Sportsnet now, and they were having issues with that going down. And look, I know everyone wants to get into streaming, but if you don't have experience, maybe you don't have, uh, you're not able to handle the big load. Yeah, need required. a good CTO. Need yeah, a good CTO. Uh, yeah, maybe there's one of the bigger companies, if that's the thing, would be better at you know, handling that, but. Uh, we'll wait and see as all these companies move over to stream. I know the Jets game was on, but banished to Sportsnet 360 yesterday. I saw a lot of people in chat uh, upset that they did not get that channel. They got all of them. But Oh, really? There, that was yesterday. People were like, oh, well, 360, I don't get that. I think it might have been on SN1 also. But I guess, you know, when the Jets are on Sportsnet, they're going to be, what, like, they'd put them not on TV if they could. <laughs> Well, it was funny the, too because the bottom, you know, like the bottom of the list, just find it. <laughs> well, and I mean, I get it. They had you know Vancouver and Edmonton yeah. playing, but I mean, if you're going to take the game, treat it like an equal of the other games. I mean, you'd finish the Jets, uh, inter- you'd finish the period, and then you'd go and you'd fire it up, and the panel's talking about Connor McDavid for eight minutes, mm-hmm. and then a quick mention of the Jet game going mm-hmm. forward. But whatever, we're used to it. It was just great to see the game. Yeah. But yeah, you you do need to have. You never know where the games are going to be on. So um, if you do have uh, the cable package, you might want to get those extra spots. Uh, I know the game on Saturday night is back on Rogers. And then uh, we'll uh, get Dennis back in the booth, TSN, for the game against the Wild, I believe, on the 19th before the Winnipeg Jets open up their home schedule next Thursday yeah. at home against these Anaheim Ducks. Big revenge game next Thursday, Reem. Yeah, huge, huge revenge, and I agree. And just for that, I was watching, I had two TVs going on, and I was watching the, well, I was actually watching the WNBA final on TSN2, a very good game. Chicago Sky. I saw the highlights. It was was, uh, Chicago tied it up in like the final seconds. We got very intense, and then uh, Phoenix won it in overtime. But uh, well, so what happened was, I mean, the Vancouver uh, Edmonton game would finish, and then the panel would start talking, and I guess they would just, you know, play it on a delay for the Jets one. And 
And then we saw in the playoffs too. I mean, where they didn't like you would watch the intermission and be like, were the Jets even playing in that game? And they would never get mm. talked about. So I guess yeah. we're just I guess we're just used to it. we're just gonna sit here and, and take it. Uh Sportsnet <laughs> well, ignoring the Jets again. It's better, it's better at least than when the Jets play the Canucks and they have yeah. it as a national game. And you know, well, you essentially just get the Canucks home broadcast. Yeah, that's it's I'll never forget, and uh, I'll never forget. You know, we can keep talking about this, and I'll, I will say, you know, I watched the panel, and I was like, "Oh, they're all at the desk together." I'm so used to last yes. year, like Cassie Campbell being at home, Elliot at you know in the studio, and uh, whoever else you know they had. Bexa was there, and she was like, "Oh, Bexa in person." I'm so used to seeing him at his uh, at his house. But uh, again, I'll never forget that game where it was a national broadcast, and they were talking about the Vancouver Canucks like telethon the yeah. whole time and i thought it was just insulting um to jets fans and, and jets people you were too. very you were very triggered I mean, back then as were as were yeah. many people hey before i move on tons of comments about this canada win last night mm-hmm. and uh basement wants to show the goal well we don't want to get the the old dcma but uh if you go I, to my twitter at hustlerama i think i've been tweeting about it i tweeted retweeted a bunch of different views of it the best view to get it is the one where the play starts. And this starts way back in the Canada end. And there's a long pass up that, you know, ostensibly was a poor pass to the wrong spot to Panama. And Alfonso Davies literally closes on this dude from 80 yards, almost the fastest I've ever seen anybody run, you know, in, you know, outside of Olympic sprinting and gets the ball just as it's going out. A little controversial whether it was or not. Steps, gets it out all alone, goes around a dude, back right to the corner. Um, It was just a piece of magic. And a lot of people asking about these games in Edmonton. Yeah, Canada hosting. And these are the way the World Cup qualifiers are. Now that we're in the final stage, you play each team at home and each team on the road. So Canada has two games on November 12th and November 16th. I believe the game on the 16th is against the Mexicans, one of the top teams. And ooh, always are a very inhospitable place to play on the road. Uh, I got to give Canada credit. I mean, I don't know how our guys are going to handle some of the cold, but I can tell you for sure that the Mexicans aren't going to be ready to play in what could be sub-zero temperatures in Edmonton in November. Uh, I see Jed Oil Tom and some people saying, I want to go. I'll tell you what, I want to go too. I mean, these, when you saw the, what went down at, BMO field last night and Kubek Chris, our pal who was there, we'll have to get him on the show to uh, maybe even tomorrow to talk about it. Um, it sucked for a lot of the fans because of the protocols. They were absolutely not ready for it. Um, a lot of people, I know Devin Haru was tweeting about it. Chris, they didn't even get into the game until like the 36th minute. Um, but they were there for the second half, which was what really mattered. But uh, Commonwealth stadium has uh, the one international game I've ever seen was about 20 years ago. Canada versus Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, They had a great crowd in Edmonton. And Edmonton has been the one city in Canada that has traditionally supported Canada with actual Canadian fans. I mean, up until that game yesterday, even earlier in the qualifier when we played El Salvador, um, you would have thought that, you know, you were in a neutral site game at best. Um, And who knew there were that many El Salvadorians in and around the GTA, but they were all there. They were all loud. That wasn't the case last night. It was red, it was white, it was packed, it was loud, and Canada stepped up with one of the great performances in the history of the men's national team. So get ready, November 12th, November 16th. If you're anywhere around Edmonton, get your ticket and get your ass in a seat there 
to see Alfonso Davies and this team going uh, on the precipice right now of doing, well, really what no Canadian team has done in over 30 years. Um, so it's good times for Canadian soccer fans right now. We'll keep an eye on everything that's going on. And a nice bounce back from sort of a disappointing tie with Jamaica, considering the way the team has looked. Um, they got that win last night. Alfonso Davies is a star, and we are on to uh, on to some really good things. All right, Remo, a couple of things we do want to get to. Uh, we will get to the cool bet lines in a minute, but um, and we'll talk about the, uh, the NFLer game at, at that point. You got to be excited for this baseball game tonight. I mean, the two best teams, it's sort of a joke that they have to play each other in this best of five, um, you know, with the records that they have, but that's the way the format is. Um, but I tell you what, it, it the games so far through the playoffs between the Giants and Dodgers have been so good. And this is one of the great rivalries in baseball to begin with. This game tonight, game five for all the marbles, uh, could be the game of the entire playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The Dodgers, they had that win in the in the tiebreaker, or not tiebreaker, in the wild card game, the one game playoff. Now they're, they'll go on, and that's how it's always been in playoffs. I mean, the, the team with the best record plays with the wild card. Unfortunately, you know, the two, all the best teams in the league are in the same division. And I think they used to make it that you couldn't match up with a team in your own division, but they got rid of that. I mean, it's a great rivalry, Dodgers, Giants. And, you know, the Dodgers have this elite lineup where... You know, they're getting, adding, like, Max Scherzer and oh, uh, Trey Turner. And then, you know, they have the all you know, Mookie Betts. Uh, their lineup is absolutely obscene, but uh, somehow the Giants uh, had more wins than them. And they have this – the Giants do this every every couple of years in the early 2000s where, you know, they have these lineups where you never think that they could, you know, that they could get to a World Series. But they somehow figure out Evan Longoria is having a bit of resurgence. Buster Posey after a year off. Uh, he's been great, and uh, we'll have a good pitching matchup uh, tonight. Logan Webb, who's been very good for the Giants, getting the ball here. Game five, or- Oracle Park, eight o'clock. Uh, I will be tuned in. So we do have two very good uh, games on tonight. Yeah, no, uh, uh, listen, this is going to be phenomenal. I was just looking at the numbers, and uh, but Logan's got a zero point zero zero ERA. And Urias is a 1.80. I mean, both of these teams are stacked. If you watch one baseball game all year, uh, all playoffs, I mean, in the World Series, we'll get to it, obviously, for all the marbles. This is the one to do it. Should be a hell of a game tonight. Winner moves on to take on the Braves in the NLCS. All right, we'll get to the uh, game tonight with our cool bet lines in a minute. Uh, there was a couple other NHL notes I wanted to get to, Reem, and uh, yes. we can now... Finish the RFA Brady Kachuk watch because he is signed, sealed, and delivered to the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, I'll give both sides credit. I think they sort of did meet in the middle. I mean, we know how contentious some of the Kachuk contracts have been historically, both with brother and dad. And we also know, as we talked about yesterday on the program with Dave Pagnotta, the Senators don't give bonuses. They have their own way of doing things, which can be problematic when you're signing really talented young players, especially as important as Brady Kachuk is. But they got the deal done. They didn't get the eight-year term, but they got a seven-year term. And Brady Kachuk's going to be making just north of $8 million, 8.214, I believe. Um, this is a great signing for Ottawa. They absolutely needed to get this done. And I think it's even more important, especially what's what happened with Matthew and Calgary and his situation going into this final year of the deal. 
that they got it done with some term. Brady Kachuk's committing to Ottawa going forward uh, because I think it's only a matter of time before he has the C on his chest there for an exciting team that you know has a lot to play for this year and I think a lot of improvements to make, but none of that's happening if their leader isn't out there. And uh, i got to give Ottawa credit. I mean, I think Pierre Dorian stuck to his guns. Certainly Eugene Melnick would be a big part of that. Um, but to get Kachuk done on a seven-year deal, great news for Sens fans in that organization that has gone through some really lean times the last few years. Yeah, they're, sorry, the AAV there, 8.2 uh, on cap friendly right now. And I think you have to be optimistic about Ottawa. You know, I laughed at them in January when the Jets beat up on them. But after that first month, they were really good. And they've got young talent, Jake Batherson. Uh, he just got a contract this summer. You know, Tim Stutzel was a top pick. And he's still on his ELC. Um, Josh Norris was a guy. He's in the final year of his entry-level deal, Huss. And he was ranked you know, pretty high on uh, Dom's sheet, and I ended up grabbing him for cheap in my fantasy draft. So they think he can be a top center. There's a number of uh, number of guys. You know, Shabbat's there. He's locked up, too. Uh, so the goalie situation, we'll see how that goes. goes. They signed, you know, traded for Mad Murray. He didn't work out, but they picked up Anton Forsberg. Was it right after the Jets, or did the Jets drop him and he bounced around to some other teams first? He played was on like four different teams. Last yeah, year. he looked. He well, looked he came and good. played against the Jets wearing yeah. the Jets equipment last year, yes. so I'm pretty sure it was straight there. Yes. So uh, well, I don't know if Ottawa's going to get her done this year, but I think they're in a good shape now once you've locked up these these young guys. So credit to Ottawa, who's you know who's seen you know them not be able to do you know sign guys to big deals and keep them there, and you thought with the Kachuk. History, it was going to go rough, but hey, he took the money. He'll be take him to age 29. He'll still get another big contract after that. But uh, I think when you lock up a guy from age 22 to 29, that's those are the years you want to be paying paying a guy. And, and again, we're seeing that with the Suzuki deal and other deals. Uh, from well, the and the, the other deal that I have to mention, and this has uh, got a great Manitoba tie, but um, Western Manitoba's Ryan Pulak, former Brandon Wheat King yes. star. Signs an eight-year deal with the New York Islanders. Now, Pulak's 27 right now, and he signed an eight-year deal at $6.2 million a year. So he's going to get about 50 mil security for the rest of his career that'll take him into, uh, I guess, 35 years old. Um, But speaking of good deals for teams, I mean, Ryan Pulak is a guy that, I'll, I'll be honest, Remus, when you see some of the money that's been thrown around to defensemen so far this offseason, um, maybe there was a little bit of a give with the actual salary number to get to the full eight years, which I think at his point in his career was important to him. But Ryan Pulock on today's market is certainly worth a lot more than $6.2 million. And uh, Lou and the guys on the island did it again. Um, in all likelihood, Pulock will play his career, or at least he signed to play the majority of his entire career with the New York Islanders. And there's a lot of Islanders that have sort of been slept on and overlooked. We don't pay attention to them until we see, oh, they're playing 25 minutes a night in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Championship. Uh, but this is a hell of a signing. A great player. Uh, and another Manitoban doing big things in the National Hockey League and getting rewarded for it. Yeah, and, you know, another Manitoban coaching that Islanders is Barry Trotz, and he took him to the conference final. And, you know, you have Pulak locked up. Maybe the term is is a bit long, but, uh, a bit long, but I mean, I think the AAV uh, seems to be solid. And they locked up another guy, you know, earlier this summer, and Adam Pellick, who people are yep. putting on Team Canada. And as you said, another guy. Eats up a ton of minutes. I saw a video highlight of Pellick just using his long stick, like poke checking guys uh, through the neutral zone. And these guys are very good. You don't hear about them, 
but they are part of the team that took them to the conference final and they were so close to beating uh to beating tampa and getting the cup final you'd have to think that they're they're close and they got a lot of guys locked up so i think they got you know you know barzell who else is in here anders lee's locked up for a while brock nelson so they have a core group of guys um who could take this team back to where they were last year and i mean no better guy to have than uh barry trot Oh, hold on. Well, for sure. And Trotz loves yeah. Pulak. I mean, uh, they're both from Dauphin. Uh, I believe Pulak grew up in Grandview, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, born in Dauphin. Trotz a Dauphin guy. It's a marriage that made in heaven. And, you know, for the first time, Reem, uh, we have had a number of, I mean, both fans, I think pundits, and certainly sports books uh, kind of give the Islanders the credit that they deserve going into this season. I mean, this is the team that has taken the Tampa Bay Lightning to the limit the last couple seasons. I mean, they've been the one team that's been able to do that. Um, but, you know, going into each and every year, we're talking about all the players the Rangers have and, you know, the Washington Capitals and the Penguins and the Flyers. And people really didn't, I don't think, respect the Islanders at least two years ago. They certainly earned it last year. And then for the first time I can remember, um, you know, going into this season, it was the Islanders that were the favorite in that division. It was the Islanders that were the, one of the top teams in the in the East to win the Stanley Cup. And a big part of that is the way they're operating under Lou Lamorello, the coaching of Barry Trotz, but the core of players that aren't flashy superstars, but get the job done. And that's been a big reason why, Reem, I think uh, a lot of people are giving the Islanders the respect they deserve going into this season that frankly wasn't there the last couple seasons, despite what they did in the playoffs. Yeah, and they're getting this new building uh, two. So uh, Islanders are getting, I see them on Twitter. People are hyped about the Islanders. All they need to do now has to just bring back the fish sticks Jersey. And I think, you know, you <laughs> have, <laughs> what do you mean? If it's a great Jersey, bring it, bring it back. And I think even more people will be on the Islanders. The Kairos can bring back what the Kachina Jersey. Let's get the fish stick. So come on. It's well, time. the Coyotes are a complete embarrassment of a franchise. And the only reason they're doing that is to, you know, maybe get some uh, hockey hipsters on board yes. with their cool threads because I think the Moose might be able to beat Arizona when things get going this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the Islanders go, I mean, that abomination of a jersey is, I mean, it's historic because it's just so damn funny. I mean, how they thought, yeah, let's go with this. Um Islanders are doing a great job. Barry Trotz is the man, yeah. and Ryan Pollock has been rewarded. Um Oh, and we got to give a shout out to Ovi. Ovi rewarding me, Remus, for picking him in our hockey draft on Tuesday night. How's that for a start to the season, Chase and Wayne Gretzky? Two goals, mm-hmm. two assists last night. Although it was funny, going into the game, no one was talking about Ovechkin. All anyone was talking about was Tom Wilson and the newest Ranger, Ryan Reeves. Yeah, I saw Reeves and Wilson were on the ice for a total of uh, nine seconds together. People were being, oh yeah, there's going to be fireworks right away. I mean, they play each other a lot. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but the watch is on, counting down to can Ovi break uh, Gretzky's record for goals. Um, I think he might be able to do it, Huss. I mean, hopefully there's not another pandemic or, or a lockout stopping him. Otherwise, he probably would be there if he didn't have to go through uh, two two lockouts in another shortened season. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, awesome to watch Ovi still doing I mean, the guy's an absolute legend, you know, pass, what, passing Marcel Dion, and he's got a couple names ahead of him on the list. Yager on there. Uh, it's amazing that you can just watch a guy who's one of the greatest of all time still uh, do it. And speaking of the greatest of all time, you mentioned Wayne Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> did you, uh, we got to talk about this. Gretzky on the TNT. I mean, it's a damn shame we don't get TNT because 
watching him do a shootout, uh, taking shots on Charles Barkley. And then I know Barkley's a hockey fan. And that is so awesome. And already TNT uh, setting the bar quite high for their coverage. We saw ESPN the night before, but now TNT uh, bringing in Gretzky. TNT, what, did they uh, interrupt AEW Dynamite for that one? Did they move Dynamite? I know a lot of wrestling yeah, fans. Dynamite, Dynamite yeah, Dynamite is airing on Saturday this week, apparently. Okay. So, um, yeah. yeah, tough one for the wrestlers because the uh, the back. And I'm not too sure how that's going to work going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but trust me, AEW is hot enough. It will be on. Uh, it just might be on at a little bit of a different time because there will be a lot of Wednesday night hockey yeah. on uh, the Turner Network coming up this year. And yeah, Chuck putting on Pekka Rene's equipment and yeah. uh, having Gretzky shoot at him was hilarious. And Biz, Biz Nasty was a great, I know he was a controversial selection to the panel. Man, he was funny. I, I saw more positive things about that panel than I think I did about the last 15 years of NBC broadcasting. And I think bar, having Barkley in there was a real big part of it. Not that he's going to give anybody any hockey knowledge, but he is really into hockey. He does love it. He's hilarious. He's outspoken. And he's got this great personality. And introducing him on night one of the broadcast, I think, is going to try to give us a hockey version of what he, Shaq, Kenny, and the guys do so well over on TNT with arguably the best analysis, fun broadcast show in all of sports, and that's the NBA on TNT. Yeah, they're going to try to get something uh, like that. Oh. So I think <laughs> Barkley, Chris Vermette, by the way, uh, yeah. they showed the clip of Wayne Gretzky's fight with Neil Brock- Broughton back in the day, yeah. and Chris Vermette says, Barkley ripping on 99 for losing a fight to a guy with a perm was gold. No, there was some yeah. serious laughs last night amongst that group. Yeah, and I think that's what you want. And, I mean, NBA and TNT has set the standard for, uh, you know, fun pre-post-intermission you know pre post-intermission show, and we'll see if they can replicate. I think fans are just ready for a change from what we've seen from the last 10 years, and I know American fans getting that on ESPN, getting it on TNT, but I do like the crossover bringing in Barkley and ESPN doing stuff with what Stephen A uh, going on. I know he had some good hockey uh, rants in the what in the summer, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this is this is going to go. It is, I think we'll probably, I'm sure we'll get some of it here. Sportsnet will show some of their coverage as we've seen because you know we don't get ENT in uh, in Canada, but or ESPN as well. But I'm I'm sure we'll we'll see some of that stuff here especially okay. when they post it online okay wrestling fans shout out to chris and justin i guess dynamite is going to move mm-hmm. to tbs which will uh which actually will probably be great for them too great exposure rob mahoney instagram model paulina gretzky has a dad on tv yes indeed paulina gretzky one of the most notable wags from the golf world who i got to see up close and personal at the Ryder cup still bringing it i will tell you that Oh, and Mitch is on me. I realized there was a great amount of exaggeration. Mitch says, hey, the Yotes still have Keller, Kessel, Chikrin, Schmaltz, Kraus, Zingle, Hayton, Galchenyuk. Uh, They do have some NHL players. The Moose probably aren't beating them anytime soon. But, man, I mean, you look at that roster. It's not as bad as Buffalo's, though. Every day I go back and just to see if they've added more people. No, they haven't. This team, that might be an AHL caliber team. Uh, Let's get to the lines because we do have an NFL game tonight to kick off week six of NFL action. And it's the Buccaneers and Eagles. And I remember Dusty and I talking about this game on the lock shop on Tuesday. And it opened at seven. And uh, I erroneously 
said that I'm going to jump on the Bucks right now at seven because, you know, with the public support of Brady, a primetime game, I think this number is going to go up maybe to seven and a half. Well, that's not the case right now. You can get Tampa Bay ta- uh, Tom at six and a half point favorites against Jalen Hurts at the Eagles for tonight's game. Uh, and I did see uh, favorites. Tom Brady's been a favorite of seven points or more. A uh, number of times, they, like long-term, those teams certainly cover at about 40%. Brady's covering at about 60 65%. reason why I like Tom Terrific tonight and the uh, the Bucks to get that done is that, I mean, this is a huge opportunity for Tom to continue. Because they've been talking about Lamar Jackson. We're talking about jo- uh, uh, Justin Herbert. Not as much about my guy Mahomes after last week. Josh Allen as well. Uh, this is a great opportunity for Tom to go and throw four or five touchdowns and remind everyone what he's doing right now with the defending NFC champions and put himself right back at the top of the pecking order when it comes to a potential return to an MVP award. So six and a half is the number over under the total 52 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if that one goes over because I think Philly will actually score some points, but I think Tampa will score a lot of them. Don't forget, get your picks in, do your fantasy lineups and don't miss out on Eagles Bucks tonight. Uh, what are you thinking about this evening's game, Reem? Oh man. Um yeah, I'd probably lean Bucks, I think. They can really put up the points. Maybe the Eagles can can keep it close. I know Hurts has had uh problems with throwing uh the ball. But sorry, sorry. Yeah, throwing but running, uh, he's pretty good. So, uh I'll lean I'll lean Tampa. They're they're on fire here. Uh, Brady was was fantastic uh last weekend in uh in Miami. So, I I like Tampa. I will. You got it. I'm just looking at a few of these chats. Tracy Cranick, I'm starting to think Brady is a Highlander. Um, Mark A also bets Smith. Devontae Smith over 71 yards. Don't mind that. Oh, and Dan Milburn uh, pointing out to Mitch and myself when we were talking about all of the uh, Coyote players this season, we did not mention former Winnipeg Jet captain Andrew Ladd, who's looking mm-hmm. to return to regular duty in the NHL. And I certainly hope that he can. It's been a real rough few years on the island for lad after signing that big contract yeah follow him on instagram actually he's ready to go he keeps tweeting uh pictures of him with the coyotes and i know he's had a tough go injured but i really liked andrew lad here as a jet no one could put in um garbage goals like him in front of that he just had a real skill also had a good had a good shot when he needed to uh, i did like andrew lad but um, Jets, I don't want to say dodge a bullet without when they didn't elected not to sign him, but it the contract didn't work. So, uh, thank you know. I'll say they dodged back. a bullet. They dodged the biggest bullet probably in the ten years of the return of the Winnipeg Jets. Based on what happened afterwards, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any real doubt uh, doubt about that. Fine. So yeah, Bucks Eagles tonight, uh, and let's take a quick look at the line on this baseball game tonight. Dodgers and Giants. It's going to get underway just after eight p.m. our time. Giants minus 125 favorites, Dodgers plus 107 underdogs. And Remo, I think we finally got to the point. It took 162 games being the best team in baseball uh, and another four to finally be the favorite in a game against the Dodgers. But that's what the Giants finally are tonight as they look to uh, exercise some demons, get back to the NLCS and boot the Dodgers out in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to tune in for that. That I think that's going to be exciting, as you said. And I know a lot of people saw the Giants as underdogs for the first couple of games. We're like, well, they won more games. Like, I'll go with the value bet here. Why not? And they are home, so favored. 
I guess I'm cheering not. for the Giants. I'm cheering for the Giants. The only time I've yeah. ever been to that ballpark was for that Metallica concert the yeah, day that's... before the Super Bowl. Uh, but it looked amazing. I would love to do it. And I know Rennie was talking to Ken last night. They were he was trying to, I don't know, go to a system of a down concert or what? something like that. I you know, yes, exactly. They they're they back. It out. They had yeah, you know, I will was, say. I saw System of a Down at MTS Center in 2005. I was there too. It was awesome. It was maybe the craziest show I've ever seen. I've been dying to see them again, but they haven't been back and I haven't been out of town. But that was, I mean, the show started, like people started rushing the floor. Security was chasing after them while they're playing the most intense music. It was it was the best. Oh, I, I'm dying to see them again. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow, we're going to have a great mm. show. Uh, we are going to uh, hook up with the aforementioned Weeb's World. I had no idea that Ken, in fact, if you had told me that Ken Weeb liked X Band, I would have yeah. probably guessed at least 100 before System of a he Down. He likes but we, System we, of a Down? Uh, yes, he does. No. He and Rennie, both big system Rennie? guys. I could see yeah. Rennie based on their yeah. intro music. <laughs> no doubt. Well, and the other thing that Ken told me that he did, that he, mm. uh, he, he mentioned last night, was the fact that after the last time he was on the road when Guns N' Roses was here in Winnipeg. Yes. Uh, and he ended up getting a ticket and going seeing uh, seeing GNR at the uh, Staples Center at the Homecoming show in LA last year. So um, That's obviously right. we'll talk mostly Jets with Ken, but we may have to go down that road a little bit. We'll also get ready for the Bombers and Elks. No Jamarcus Hardrick for Winnipeg and incredibly no trevor harris for the edmonton elks we'll be all over that tomorrow ken will join the program uh we'll also see maybe dustin nielsen will have some time to join us we will be doing a new lock shop all over the nfl tomorrow around a quarter to 12 noon our time before winnipeg sports talk if you haven't seen the lock shop i mean you can watch it we'll have it on all the twitter platforms but you can also just subscribe. Just search Lock Shop wherever you get your podcasts. Um, as yeah. always, thanks to hey, all of our sponsors. We, yeah, we, we got to do the draw oh, here. You forgot. That's it. right. We've got a winner to give away. How many people selected Kyle Connor for uh, uh, for the uh, first goal last night? By the way, thanks to everyone that responded. If you're not already following us on Instagram. Give us a follow at Sports Talk WPG. Oh. We always like to do a bunch of things on YouTube for everyone that's with us live, but there's so many people that listen to podcasts and whatnot later. We are going to be doing some more stuff on social media. So uh, at Sports Talk WPG, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, do us a favor, make sure you're following those. And uh, for everyone that's with us, if you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button and hit the red subscribe button. Please do that before you go and join us every day here at one o'clock p.m. So uh, I imagine there was more than one person that thought KFC would get the first goal, Reem. Yeah, hold on one sec. Having an issue. All right. Well, geez, we've got it. Yeah issue right now but the wst first goal challenge had like almost 300 entries before the game started last night so that actually did end up working uh very very well well on the way out while we do this we'll finish up with our winner uh but i will thank uh, all, right. all of our great sponsors again culligan water manitoba battery royal sports princess auto little brown jug boston pizza not Autocorp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, the Great Taste of Canadian Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. If you did want to get on the box or that baseball game tonight, use promo code WST on your first deposit, and you'll get a 100% bonus up to $200 over at Cool Bet Canada. All right, Remo. So, uh, yeah. how many uh, how many KFC votes were there? Okay, so we had 
uh i'll throw it up and yeah follow us on instagram the link's in there and i i did want to give a shout out to a commenter Hus. i know that you'll like it so remind me but we had about 240 comments and how many of them picked kyle connor i have them ready to go in the wheel of names 27 picked kyle connor wow. and, he was, and he was probably the favorite and i had to go you know it's amazing how many different ways people write kyle connor it's connor and people spelling it wrong c-o-n and e-r which i did allow you know reluctantly and people writing KFC and people writing KC. I don't know if there were any 81s, but I saw people writing 91 and 27 a lot. So these were all, all the people. Accepted. They were all accepted. I had to go through them manually. So uh, I did that during the game. Nicely and, done. Nicely yeah. done. So, so again, folks, the prize for this is a, uh, you know, maybe I'll go grab it. But we've got we've got the hoodies. Um, shout out to Schickster, who won the first one last Friday. We've also got some uh, really nice T-shirts done with the WST logo and the uh, CC official bomber sponsor on the shoulder. And I've also got a uh, cool bet hat for you. So a T-shirt and a hat for uh, today's winner for the first goal. And shout out to everyone that entered and especially everyone that picked Kyle Connor. Yeah. Should I hit the spin here? Should I turn on the the volume? You got to hear this wheel go. Oh yeah, definitely. We need volume for this. It uh, is the uh, the wheel of winners. Um, Twenty seven correct guesses for Kyle Connor. One will end up with the prize. Thanks again to everyone. We'll probably do this more throughout the year. We've got some great prizes from some of our sponsors. So uh, always fun to make this sort of happen. Uh, take it away, there, CTO. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, there it is. Stifa. Stifa. I've seen Stifa in the IG comments before. I've, that's a oh, familiar name. Definitely. Stifa, big whiskey guy, was uh, he He was maybe the most excited person uh, for when we did the 42 Canadian Club, that contest. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it didn't work out. However, Stifa, Shane, great to have you with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll hit you up. We've got the cool bet hat for you. Yeah, and you will be getting... Uh, maybe the first or second of the t-shirts out. And Schickster, yes, you have 001 Rare, the first one we've given away. But we'll have another one to give away on Friday's program. So congratulations to Chief Eva. That was the winner for KFC. And uh, Remo, what's going on tonight? Just going to watch the uh, football, baseball, and get ready for a big show tomorrow. And, of course, a bomber game day before the Jets are back at it on Saturday. Yeah. Well, here, before I tell you what's going on, I do want to give a shout-out to this commenter, Travis. I know you're going to like this. Travis wrote in, Wow, I was an avid listener of 1290 Radio and was a regular part of my routine on the way home. Just having to Google Hustler yesterday and no social media means I had no idea this existed. And he just found it. So there are people out there. There Travis, are people. Yes. There are people out there who do not know that we're doing this. They're not on social media. I don't know how to reach these people, but thank you. I'm glad the Google machine works. Our SEO is good. That means if he's Googling you and finding that finding us here, we are here every day at one. Hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. And we're also on podcast after. So yeah, so yeah. And you. and you know what? I mean, especially those of you that are with us now on YouTube or still listening on the podcast, um, 
you basically are our, our, our best advertisers. Um, do us a favor. Tell a friend about the program. Let them know how they can get it. Tell them to give us a chance. Uh, it's been great to see how big the podcast numbers are. Uh, they continue to grow significantly. Maybe people like Travis going, where the hell did those guys end up? And guess what? We're right here every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk, live at 1 p.m. on YouTube, in your podcast feed, just after 3 p.m., hopefully by 3.30 every day for your drive home. And uh, jet season just getting started. We're not going anywhere. We've been here literally since we went on the air on March 8th. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. But uh, if you can tell anyone, if you're talking to friends about sports, ask them if they know what we're doing. Because uh, the more people that uh, can find out about it, the more people that are with us, the better the chat gets. uh, And it certainly helps us go. So thanks a lot, Travis. Love the comment. We really appreciate it. And yeah, whether you're on YouTube or on podcast, just make it a daily thing. Join us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remo, great show today. Yeah, great show. Did I Should I show off... um... What I've been doing, uh, people are saying, I told people I was getting a desk and a chair. Yeah. I'm not on the floor oh. anymore. I got people. Oh, yeah. A lot of people have messaged me this week. I thought you, Shikster wrote in chat, I thought you were getting a desk. Was that all BS? Like, what's going on? You look like you're in the same thing. People have asked me, are you not in your new setup? And uh, here, let me, oh, wait, shoot. I'll pull I'll pull it up. One sec. Uh, this is a little little camera trickery. And we'll try to pull it up. Hold on. Where am I going? Sorry, sorry for wasting everyone's time. I know it's three. I got to get the podcast up. But ta-da. Hey, everyone. I'm over here now. There so, it yes, is. I am, I am at a desk. I have real monitors. This is... Uh, now we're a real show, Hustler. This is really exciting. So Yeah, and is, Remus strapped yeah. up. And the best part about it is that we've maintained Remus's background mm-hmm. from the early days, sitting on the floor every day for two yes. years, producing and participating in the show. So that's all still there. Uh, but yeah, we're still bringing it to you, and uh, I'm still in the bar here at yeah, you're uh, in the bar. HQ. <laughs> yeah, you got a, you got a great bar in your house, but uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. So it's it's full. Uh, Darb, you've been sharing with all I know. It's building. Go WST. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, Wayne Jones. I tell people in Norway about you. I get strange looks. <laughs> uh, love it, love it. Um, so yeah, we get the green screen of the living room yeah. floor. That's exactly that's yes. how we do it here. We we don't want to change things too much, um, mm. but. He's still uh, he's still there, and for the first six seven months, Remus's background, which still does, of course, have the uh, 2014 Media Home Run Derby right there, yes. ready to ready to go. Here, uh, to anyways, we're it. well past three. We gotta get <laughs> we gotta get this thing up, uh, folks. Have a great night tonight. Enjoy the football game, game five between the Dodgers and Giants. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button, like it, spread it. Have a great night tomorrow. Marble race, more great prizes. Ken Weeb on the Jets, Bombers Elks. We'll get you ready for the weekend tomorrow at 1 right here on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.